Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of the Blue role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. We have a special treat from one of our favorite sites for short scenarios, Reckoning of the Dead. We are privileged to have Noah Lloyd as our keeper of the secrets. He has, together with Matt Ryan, written dozens of excellent scenarios, including Lark in a Cage, Cobalt Skyrunner, The Door Beyond, Tales from the 13th Floor, and many, many others that we have enjoyed more than once. Tonight, he will be running one of his new one-page scenarios, Organism 46B, and we have been anticipating this for quite a while, and we're eager to start. Noah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. If you don't mind me asking, um, when did you first get involved in Call of Cthulhu scenarios? Um, this is, might be a little uh, scenarios or in Call of Cthulhu? Well, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, this uh, is actually a little embarrassing considering one of the, the people we have on the show, but I started listening to the good friends of Jackson Elias maybe a year and a half before I started playing Call of Cthulhu. Um, I think I played Call of Cthulhu for the first time in 2015 or early 2016. Oh, wow. Um, and then in 2017, um, I'd met uh, Matt Ryan, who uh, lives here in Ithaca, where I go to grad school, and we played in a few games. And at one point, um, he and I remember this differently, but the way I remember it, which is the right way, he said, um, what would we do with a website? And the first thing that sprung to my mind was, well, we could write weekly one-page scenarios. And then that just kind of took off from there. Wow. But you and, and Matt Ryan seem to work pretty well together creating scenarios. How do you guys like divide up the work? What's your workflow? Or um, So the, the way it normally goes, um, and when we were doing it weekly, when we were kind of at the, the height of our one-page scenario writing, um, we would trade off weeks. So one week someone would write. So on the first week I would write, and then the second week Matt would write and we would trade editing responsibilities. So on a week that I wrote, Matt would edit mine, and um, the next week I would edit his. And it was, it was just like a, a great learning opportunity. Matt is kind of a whiz with layout and Photoshop and on Illustrator and all those, and I had no clue what I was doing. So I got to kind of um, watch his process turning these one page and if you go back and look at our super early one page scenarios you can tell that i was laying them out in word and then um <laughs> you know as uh i honed my skills a little bit and kind of saw the the level of professionalism that matt was able to bring to them i um learned um yeah and learned <laughs> you know, was, yeah uh, taking a taking a hobby and turning it into a like a real learning opportunity mm. It's, uh, we, we enjoy them so much. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Let's go yeah. ahead and get started. Uh, without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. Noah? All right. Um, organism 46B. We start with the crew, our four scientists and lead drilling engineer, as well as a couple of other scientists uh, you are all in a helicopter that is uh, winding its way over the uh, Antarctic waste, essentially, as you are heading towards a drilling rig, which has been established over the past couple of days by an advanced team. 
there's been a discovery, which is that the, um, there is a lake, a subglacial lake in Antarctica, which is massively deeper than any other known lake. This lake is 10,000 feet deep. So, so the soundings say, some people have argued that, um, well, the measurements taken were wrong. Uh, the measurements were done using uh, satellite imaging, and they say they, they couldn't penetrate the ice correctly. But nevertheless, there's been intense kind of international interest in um, what is either a discovery or uh, a massive mix-up. And so a team which is largely composed of Americans, but has a few interna international agents as well, has been sent to investigate and to penetrate the lake and see what they can discover, penetrate the glacial cap, I should say, to see what they discover in the lake. So as you are traversing the 400 miles from the boat which brought you in, you probably all flew into Chile on different flights, took a vessel south, uh, to Antarctica and lifted off in a helicopter, which is now taking you to the drill site. Let's get introductions from everyone. Uh, what does everyone kind of, what do the other scientists see you doing on the helicopter? How are you kind of carrying yourself? Are you chattering away about how excited you are for this project? Um, Tom, maybe let's start with you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very cold. You know, I could have chosen uh, something in like the South Pacific studying animals under the ocean, but instead I decided to go for extremophiles, and, uh, which means I have to go to these extreme environments like the freezing cold Antarctica. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll make a discovery. My reward would be to have my name on the last end of some scientific name. Uh, it's uh, meaningless, but... Uh, um, I am uh, enjoying the privilege to be in Antarctica and uh, see this beautiful, beautiful landscape of nothing but white and snow and snow. <laughs> and I should mention it's, um, it's the height of the Southern Hemisphere's summer. So the sun will never set while you are yeah. here. And so long as you have fair weather, um, it's going to be bright, um, almost painfully bright at yeah. times. We have to protect our eyes. By the way, my name is Dr. Ajax Telemonius. Uh, most people just call me Dr. Ajax because nobody likes my last name. <clears throat> um, I'm uh, Antoine Gerber, Arctic Oceanologist. I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska, so I'm used to the cold, but this cold is really something. At least it's good. We'll have uh, 24 hours of sunlight. We can get a lot of work done. Um, my goal for my career is just to discover the undiscovered. There's so much about this great earth that we don't know yet, and most of it's under the water. And I plan on finding something. That's, That's fantastic. All. I can't wait to get down there either. This, this is great. I, uh, geologists just got back from a geological survey uh, up in Alaska, but I've never been to Antarctica before. Oh, my name's Derek Palmer. Uh, used to work for the USGS, but I, I cannot wait to get down there to Antarctica and, and get some core samplings. This, 
this is quite an amazing uh, find and this this should be good this should be cold too oh cold it is how about you let's get uh elliot devlin Yeah, he's sitting there on the kind of window seat, watching the um, watching the white landscape roll by. Um, probably a little bit absent-mindedly, but then will perk up when he's when he's addressed directly, saying, "Yeah, um, the, name, the name's Elliot um, Elliot Devlin, uh, based in the US now, but originally from uh, originally from Old Blighty. Uh, worked on oil rigs and basically oil drilling sites all around the world, mostly around the Middle East in the last few years, but on a few oil rigs up in the North Sea and in the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. Nothing to do with Deepwater Horizon. Don't look at me for that. Not my, not my fault. Um, but I thought it's, I've been up to the, been up to the North Pole. In fact, uh, around the Yukon is one of my favourite places, actually. A little place called Old Crow that I went up to and first saw the Northern Lights there many years ago. So that's always got a special place in my memory, the, um, the Alaskan wilds. Yeah, I hadn't been down to this part of the world before and thought, hey, did it change and no hope of getting sunstroke down here. Excellent. And you? Well, who are you? Uh, so he's just kind of similar to LA. He's just looking out the uh, looking out the window at the, at the at the landscape going by, but he doesn't doesn't really look away uh, to look at who's who's talking to him, but he uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm Gregory, uh, Gregory Henderson. I'm, I'm a chemist uh, from uh, Arkham, Massachusetts. Uh, just uh, from the, well, I, I don't get out too much, uh, so this is uh, very, very new. This whole, uh, never, never been in a helicopter before. This is, uh, no, well, we probably. I'm sure I will probably put you to use, though. Um, we need to find out what is keeping the lake from freezing. Most likely, oh, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, the, the implications that that has, uh, you know. The, the, the well, you should be able to test the water and see what kinds of, uh, you know, uh, if there's a lot of acid in it, then it's probably hydrothermal. So, as I mentioned, there are two other scientists on this this flight with you. One of them is a um, a man who introduces himself as Dr. Marcus Baker. Uh, he's a glacier specialist, which is why he's he's been brought in. He studies the the flow and formation of glaciers. And the other is a woman named Dr. Kathy Remo. She's another chemist, and she seems Dr. Baker seems fairly talkative, but. Uh, Dr. Remo is kind of like uh, Elliot or Greg. She's a little bit more aloof and she introduces herself, gives her name, but doesn't seem too interested in, in holding conversation. So after a few more minutes, the flight takes some time. You have to, to travel a good ways. You, the pilot arcs the helicopter over the... Um, over a low hill, and as you come in, you can see the camp that has been built for you ahead of time. It's arranged in kind of a diamond formation, and um, 
there are three buildings which um, you might be able to guess their function, but you'll find out momentarily. And then at the tip of the diamond is what is obviously the um, drilling rig. It's about 30 feet tall. It's been completely enclosed uh, to protect it from the elements and protect the people inside it from the elements. And the helicopter lands you down maybe 25 yards outside of the camp. And you all get out a few of the um, roughnecks, who are the, the folks who work on the drill itself, come running over to help you start lugging your bags and tossing them out of the helicopter. That takes a few minutes, and then you are here. You're in Antarctica at the camp uh, at what might be the most historic discovery of your lives, and you're ready to go. And before we go any farther, I'd like everybody to make a history role. This is really more of kind of a, a current political climate role. So if there was something else that you wanted to, to sell me on another skill, just let me know. Otherwise, we'll go with history. 37 out of 55. Great. Four out of five. All right. Oh, 26 out of 35. Okay, so Greg, Elliot, and Antoine, as you land, you're excited, but you're also aware, I don't know if you're troubled yet, but you're aware that there's another team out here, uh, or you've heard rumors that there's likely another team out here. This is a very long kind of skinny lake, it's about 25 miles long, and maybe 10 to 15 miles away, you've heard rumors that there is a Russian encampment as well, where they may be doing their own drilling. So that's just something you kind of have in the back of my, uh, in the back of your mind, as you um, start dragging your your um, pounds and pounds and pounds of gear into the camp. Coming into the camp, there are, and then from here, I'll let you kind of explore on your own as you take a few minutes to, to see what's what. Uh, the two long points of the diamond, one site is the, the drilling rig and the other is kind of a long house, which is where you know you'll be sleeping. And then there are kind of living quarters in there as well, well where you'll make your meals. There's a chemical outhouse on one of the short arms of the diamond and a laboratory as well, uh, in case you happen to, to pull anything um, once you breach the ice for you to bring samples up um, from the water. Now, are these, are these all enclosed or do we have to go outside and inside? Uh, the buildings are enclosed, but yeah, you have to go outside to get from say the longhouse to the outhouse or from oh, the outhouse okay. to the drill. Yeah. Okay but each of those buildings are enclosed. They're all kind of a, a high density nylon, um, which flaps in the breeze. There's kind of a constant, um, is it catabatic? Is that the right word? Mm. Um, there's a, a constant breeze, which is blowing across Antarctica because it's just so flat for so long that there's always wind here. And the, these are, these are effectively tents, right? They're, they're very solidly built tents, but they're still tents and they're, um, they're constantly making noise and it's they're, just a they're heated on the inside yep yeah they, they will all have electric heaters on the inside yes. get, 
get uh, get my gear to the longhouse. Uh, when can we uh, get a look at that drill? Whenever you like. Um, as you come into the longhouse, there are um, a number of, of folks around. And in fact, maybe everybody kind of comes in and you can do your, your introductions with the crew there. There are nine uh, roughnecks and the roughnecks are the folks who kind of do the general work around the drill and um, Elliot are kind of, you know, they're directly under you. And then you have three Derek hands. The Derek hand is the person who sits basically at the top of the drill, um, 30, 35 feet off the ground and helps place the next length of drill segment onto the one which is just pierced deeper into the earth. So in total, you have 12 people just to work on the, the rig. And then Elliot, you um, are greeted by Rachel Davidson, who's kind of a, um, uh, a tough looking broad shouldered woman in her uh, early 40s. Hair's already graying a little bit, but you recognize the type. She's the kind of person you've met your entire life on, on oil rigs. And she is the, the rig manager, so she's, uh, kind of the boss of the rig crew, and then she reports directly to you. So you'll be interfacing with, with Rachel um, throughout the, the job. Yeah, I'll probably have a, catch up, a quick catch up with her just to make sure if there's any issues and tissues that have come up that anything needs addressing or any known problems that we need to look at, that kind of thing. Well, we, we got the, the facade constructed easily enough. We've had great weather, thank, uh, thank God, and she crosses herself. And uh, we've, we've even put in the, the first bore, but we, we haven't started. We were told to, to wait for the rest of the scientists and for you, of course, Mr. Devlin. And we're, we're effectively just waiting for the word, waiting for someone to break the champagne bottle, as it were. Pop the cork, yes, indeed. Pop the cork. Oh, good, good. So the longhouse where you all are now, uh, there's a decently sized room with a kind of a pop-up kitchen, uh, all propane powered, just with propane tanks that have been helicoptered in. And then there's just a curtained off back section where um, folks will sleep. So the reason you have 12 folks working on the, the rig is you have three roughnecks for each shift and one Derek hand for each shift working in eight hour shifts. So people are working around the clock. There'll never be, um, you know, there'll only be a few minutes in changeover. And so there will usually be a group of people sleeping in the quarters behind this um, curtained off area and how quiet you are is up to you. But um, generally speaking, you try to, to be a little quieter when you're in the longhouse so folks can sleep. So, so the drill goes constantly. There's no pauses to like test the, the, ice or the dirt or the rock that it's that's, going through. That's up to you. So it's going to take you six days to breach the um, the Antarctic ice cap is two kilometers deep. So that takes you quite a while. Um, how often you want to stop is up to you. Um, if you run it effectively constantly, they'll, they'll pause it occasionally to inspect things. Um, but so long as you kind of stick to the regularly uh, scheduled maintenance, um, and they have to pause it each time to put in a new bore. But if you stick to that regular schedule, it's going to take you about six days to uh, reach the, the top of the lake. Okay. I'm not sure how, how long we'd really want it to lay. 
uh, Mr. Palmer? Yeah, I, I just want if, if the rumors prove true, it'd be such a waste to come all this way to not be the one to make a discovery. True. Well, we, have, we have to be careful, though, because um, may I ask then um, what methods, what, uh, what lubricants are you using on the drill to keep it from freezing? Oil, uh, kerosene, uh, are you using hot water? It's a combination of a steel bore. Um, so the, the drill is a combination of steel bore and superheated water. So superheated water ah. is, is pumped through the kind of the core of the drill, which helps to melt the ice. And then um, the water is evacuated through, the, through another tube. That, that is excellent because then we don't contaminate the, uh, the, uh, the lake when we have reached it. Yeah, UN regulations had sanctioned anything here, so anything we have to do has to have zero impact on the environment. Right. Well, we have to be very careful. We're talking about water that hasn't seen the light of day for millions of years. Uh, it's, Possib uh, possibly billions. Right. It is incredibly, uh, uh, you know, just the very, the very nature of the substance itself is priceless. Uh, to contaminate it would be unthinkable. If you listen to some of the reports that came out of the Russian drilling at Vostok, they were saying that potentially they ended up contaminating the water supply down there. Right, right. So I think people have learned the lesson since then. Right. Well, good. I'm glad that it's uh, over water. Um, every, everybody's in the same room, so why don't you all make me a spot hidden roll? Sure. Apparently, I'm too full of myself to look around. I found is a fail. Ooh, eight are uh, extreme. Cool. Nothing for me. Okay. So, as Elliot mentions Lake Vostok, there's one of the one of the Derek hands who's been introduced to you all. His name is John Mercy. He's. Um, He's kind of kicked back. He has his feet propped up on, on one of the tables. He's, you know, a lot of the Roughnecks and Derek Hands are kind of just waiting for their work to get started. He's one of them. And as Elliot says the words, you know, Lake Vostok, they contaminated the source, he just kind of smirks a little bit. And you, you just notice that um, um, he has a, a thought about this. Um, uh, John, is it? John? Uh, yes, Dr. Palmer, I'm John. Good. Did, did, have you anything to add to this? Did something happen, perhaps? Uh, the, the Russians just don't know. Uh, I think he's vaping. He's probably vaping. I, I don't think they'd allow cigarettes out there, but he's probably vaping, and he takes his jewel away, blows a little smoke to the side. I just don't think the Russians know what the hell they're doing. Why, why do you say that? Are they rushing? Are they being foolhardy, perhaps? Or what are you observing? Uh, Dr. Devlin, uh, and I think he just kind of calls everyone doctor to be on the safe side. Um, <laughs> Dr. Devlin said it himself. They, uh, they contaminated the, the water. Dear um, goodness. He's smoking. Well, then we definitely don't want to hold up our operations because if if they break through first and contaminate the whole thing, then. Yeah, I would 
I would agree. It would be nice to know what it is we're drilling through to take an occasional sampling. But if I do understand what you're saying, time is of the essence. Dr. Henderson and uh, Mr. Palmer, are the two of you talking about this kind of openly or are you? Uh, yeah, my... yeah, I okay. have nothing to hide at the so, moment. Not so at, at that point, Rachel Davidson, who again is the, the rig manager, um, she takes Devlin's, you know, takes you kind of by the elbow and leads you to the side, probably over by the, the um, sink. And because the, these are still cramped quarters, right? Especially with everyone being in the same room. And she's, she says in a low voice, is there, is there another team? Are we on the clock here? Uh, oh, she, uh, she took Elliot. She took her boss to the oh, side. To Derek, sorry. I've heard rumors, but nothing substantiated. Uh, that would probably be one to fire up the flagpole and see what comes back with if we can contact the mainland. Uh, we've we've got sat phones. Do you do you want me to make some calls? Wouldn't hurt. All right. Um, and she um, heads off to a um, uh, an equipment box and starts shuffling through it. Elliot, um, I was thinking on the on the flight here. If we if the Russians are here, if we just push through, drill everything, find the lake, claim it so we could plant our flag our name for the company on it then can we go back and take core samples later if we move 10 feet over the ice is still going to be the same i'm not sure what what part of antarctica are we on who owns it who's part of the whose country is this uh it's international territory yeah that's a problem i don't think that you can claim a lake well, we can claim the discovery is what I'm talking about. This is, you know, the world's land, but it'll be our discovery. I think um, this is the first I've heard that you're you're thinking there might be a Russian team. Um, perhaps we should talk to them. Surely they're intelligent scientists, just like everyone else. We make sure they're cautious and not... Uh, I'm most worried about contamination than anything else. At this point, you hear the helicopter taking off and leaving, which was supposed to happen. Don't yeah. like worry about that, but uh, you are now alone. We are now stranded here. I, I wonder if, if uh, Dr. Baker, being uh, Marcus Baker, he's, he's the glacier specialist, he'd probably have a better understanding of the larger surface area, maybe he has more light on the Russian team nearby. Mm -hmm. uh, you look around for Dr. Baker, you do not see him. Huh. Is Dr. Remo around? Mm -hmm. Yep, she's uh, uh, is just kind of leaning against the, uh, the small refrigerator, watching everyone talking, still fairly aloof. We should check the other channels, perhaps the uh, radio man would pick up on some transmissions. If there was a Russian team nearby, we might be able to find them uh, by what they're doing. I, I, do we have vehicles? Do we have a way to travel across the, so only the helicopters. Mm -hmm. Do we have a helicopter? You, you don't have a helicopter. You're, you're okay. 400 miles away from 
the edge of the land. They didn't figure that giving you a... Okay. Um, we don't have snow cats or anything like that? No, because where are you going to go? To the Russian team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and now we have a problem because we're certainly not going to walk 20 miles or, or wherever they may be. We'll have to just... We'll see if we can find out if they're out there with the radio and perhaps we can... Uh, we can discuss it with them. I don't know if they speak English. I speak French and Greek. Oh, the universal language. You might be able to raise them on the radio and say, oh, you would like to come and have a visit. Can you send a helicopter over to this location? And, and Rachel, Rachel effectively says that she's, um, she's going to call the boat, which is you know off the coast, and try and get them to call someone else who can then call the Russians, who can then get back to the boat and get back to her. So it's going to take some time, but she will make inquiries for you. Excellent. Well, I don't feel like walking 20 miles, but I think I might walk the, uh, the 200 yards over to, to the lab. Uh, I'm going to walk over to Remo, Dr. Remo, and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to go check out the, the chemistry equipment that's over at the lab. Um, as a fellow chemist, if you would want to accompany me, you're welcome to do so. Very well. I'll I'll join you. My recommendation is that when we drill, we drill almost to the almost down to the lake, and then we flush the uh, the borehole to make sure it's clean, and we don't we don't even want to contaminate it with our own water. You know. Completely agree. Great. So, um, are you ready to pop the cork, as it were? Sure. What okay. time is it? Uh, you you land. Let's say it's four o'clock in the afternoon. For for what that matters. Right is bright light. Mm -hmm. I am a little excited to see that rig though in action, but I suppose uh, suppose that can wait. But kind of excited here. All that anticipation built up over that chopper ride in. Well, I'm going to get my stuff together. I might head on over to the lab as well and see what, the, what we have, what okay. sort of facilities, which means I have to put my jacket back on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Antoine, Derek, and Elliot, where are you headed? Are you headed straight over to the rig to get things going? Or are you going to check out the rest of the camp? Once I've dropped my stuff, I've got everything where I want it. I think, yeah, the drill is my thing. So, yes, heading over to that. Sounds good. Uh, just... Elliot, mm -hmm. well, if you don't mind, I'd love to come with you and, and take a look at this boring through the earth. Sure, yeah. Well, whenever you're ready, uh, we'll go on over together. Yep, Perfect. I'm, sticking with, I'm sticking with Elliot. I want this drill started as soon as possible. A minute or two too late, and the Russians can claim it. Okay. Uh, so let's start with that. The three of you file into the the rig, which is, uh, like I mentioned, it's it's 30, 35 feet tall. There's a ladder which kind of runs up one side of it that the Derek Hand will climb so that he can sit on top of the structure. And the first bore is prepped. Um, it's attached to the, the engine, which will spin it and shove it into the, the earth, and, as well as the tubes, which will feed superheated water. Um, you won't start with the superheated water because it could be really dangerous if they haven't carved some out to begin with. Um, but that's ready to go when 
the, the drill has progressed three or four meters. And the kind of the first shift of Roughnecks and the Derek Hand show up. Rachel Davidson is close behind and the Derek Hand climbs the ladder, gets set, make sure everything's in place. It is, and they wait for Mr. Devlin to give the word. While they're getting set up, I'm just gonna do a 360 to make sure there's nothing blatantly wrong. Yeah. Not that I don't trust them, but just four eyes principle. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a mechanical repair will do it. <laughs> I'm probably walking around with my eyes shut in a 97. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you trip over one of the hoses, one of the superheated hoses, and, and Rachel just kind of catches you and steadies you. It, it, it was a long flight, Mr. Devlin. I, I... Yes, just, just a little bit colder than I normally used to, <laughs> just a little. I understand. It's it's cold for all of us, uh, but to you, everything looks fine. Okay. Yeah. Assuming I, that there's no one else. Do, do I see the previous drill bit that came up, like the the type of dirt and ice that's being brought back up for the change? Does that, if I can see that, does that look what I would expect as a geologist to be coming up from that depth? They they haven't started yet, so the the drill is in place, but it has oh, not this actually is brand perfect. Okay, yep. got it. Sorry, yeah, brand new bore. Okay. Antoine, yeah, as, as long as we're in? not, yeah, as long as we're not on any um, restrictions, say start at a particular time. If it is literally my go ahead, then yep. fine, crank her up. Okay. Um, the um, I think Rachel has a, a terminal kind of in one quarter that where she can route the electricity where she needs to and she hits the button, the engine spins up and the bore drops the, you know, 18 inches above that it was above the Antarctic ice cap. You know, there's no floor here. This is all ice that you're walking on and it begins spinning, spitting out ice. Um, folks who are kind of prepared, you know, cover their faces a little bit and step back. Derek and Antoine, you maybe get like a, a face full of ice for a second as you're unprepared and the drill has started. Um, it's spinning and, you know, all of the roughnecks and the Derek hands kind of clap and give a, a little cheer because the work has started and then Rachel shouts, you know, get back to work and we're going. I'll just hit a timer start on my watch to kind of give me an idea of how long it's, how long it's going. That's great. Yeah. Um, let's say it's, it's 410 when you uh, finally hit the, the go button. In the laboratory, so uh, Dr. Henderson and Dr. Kathy Remo come into the laboratory a few minutes before Dr. Telemonius. Um, and it's, it's empty of people at the moment other than you and, and Dr. Remo, Greg. And it, it looks kind of what you would expect. It's a, a prefab tent construction. It's maybe 30 feet by 30 feet. It has some pop-up tables with all kinds of different uh, laboratory equipment for you to perform water samples or core samples, um, whatever you might need. Excellent. So, uh... Dr. Rima, where did you uh, study chemistry? Oxford. 
They have, they have a great program over there. Mm-hmm. I, I was there for six years. And what have you been up to since then? Uh, I work for Noah now. <laughs> that was a, an unintended pun. But the, the uh, oh, what does it stand for? National Oceanographic Association, I think. Um, Please, the two of you don't seem to have much conversation. It's like there's no chemistry between you. Very funny, well, Dr. Telemann. Yes. Chemists are not known for their people skills. Where did you you study uh, biology, uh, Dr. AJ? Oh, I'm from the uh, Hellenic uh, Center for Marine Research. Um, I studied at the University of Athens. Um, I've been to Scripps, uh, but only for one season. uh, and uh, I've been to a number of places around the world, but now I'm, I'm focused mostly on extremophiles, um, uh, creatures that live in extreme environments. Uh, I'm hoping in this case, uh, we're dealing with a lightless, possibly an aerobic um, area uh, that hasn't, once again, possibly a billion years beneath the ice. Uh, be interesting to see what lives there. I don't expect much more than protozoa or things like that, but they'll be very interesting ones. Why don't the two of you make me hard psychology roles? Oh, no. A 92. Great. You know, and given my amazing people skills, uh, ultra failure. I got 50 out of 10. <laughs> Perfect. Is there anything y'all would like to do in the laboratory? Anything you'd like to look for? See if it's stocked up on? I want to check the equipment, uh, microscopes, uh, whatever we have available for keeping uh, uh, core samples cold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you've got another kind of deep freeze freezer here. Um, you You've even got got something which is used to conduct electrical current through water, which can illuminate some bioluminescent um, algae, that kind of mm. thing. Um, you've got all kinds kinds of equipment. Basically, me, this is me as GM saying, if you want something to experiment with, you have it. Right, excellent. Right. Um, that will be very interesting to see. It's a lightless environment, but then most of the ocean is lightless. Um, there may be all sorts of bioluminous, bioluminescent creatures living in this uh, lake. Uh, be very interesting to see uh, how they sustain themselves because it's obviously a closed environment with no access, it's not like the ocean. Um, be interesting to see if it's fresh water or if it's salty. Uh, uh, if, it's, uh, if it's glacial melt, then it's fresh. Uh, but uh, it could also be, there could be hydrothermal vents that are poisoning the water to us, but not to whatever lives in it. Or it could be dead, it could be completely lifeless. There's so many things I just can't wait to find out. We're going to have to wait six days to find out. Yes, yeah, so I hope maybe did you bring some reading material or something to keep you occupied <laughs> for six days? Yes, yes. Or do you want to just continue to lay out uh, all the options you've been thinking about? Oh, 
no, all the possibilities I, of life that might be down there. I, I definitely have uh, plenty of reading material. Doc, Dr. Henderson, it seems like you have a bit of an attitude. This is Dr. Remo. Yeah. Well, I've been told so by many people. You're not the first. Dr. Henderson, this would be very fascinating. We could have puzzles that will take you years to solve. How those, wonderful is I, that? Very, you know, that's the, the opportunity there is, is immense, but that opportunity is at least six days away. But of course, uh, you know, I get the impression of John, he, he didn't seem terribly, I don't know, eager like yourself to get working. So if the drill crew uh, decides to do their job, we're at least six days away. So well, no use getting excited. Yeah, if, I mean, if the, uh, the estimation of depth was correct, it could be longer than six days. Um, it could be, that is true. But you know, we don't have to focus on the negatives. We are all isolated here. We are stuck here together. We should uh, enjoy ourselves, enjoy each other's company. After all, what is life without love? A life, Dr. Ajax. Dr. Remo rolls her eyes and walks out of the laboratory. <laughs> but is that really life? Or is it just existence? Or is there a difference? Quite. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and do this. We've, we know we've got some time to kill, uh, as it were. And I kind of just want to get a little vignette from each person, how you spend kind of the, the rest of your day here, uh, the rest of your first day in the, the camp. I probably spend most of my day bothering everyone else, getting to know them, talking to them a little bit, and trying to be friendly. Yeah. and Everyone. And Rough next to yeah <laughs> yeah there there are a lot they appreciate it a lot of them have um, have brought you know little flasks with them and they probably share it with you as as well if you imbibe I show them my family this is my wife Maria my son Constantine and uh, and my other daughter my daughter Thecla um, I miss them very much I kiss their picture every night before I go to bed. Um, when you're showing John Mercy, he, he kind of throws his arm around your shoulder and says, ah, can I kiss the picture too? No, you keep your, you keep your filthy lips off my wife. And he, he slaps his leg and, and laughs. He loves it. You're great friends. And I spend my day doing the exact opposite, doing my best to ignore everybody else, avoid eye contact. Somebody's walking this way, I walk to the other side. Yep. Yes, uh, John, we need to get him drunk. I also um, talk to everybody, introduce myself, but then I'll make it a point to visit the walk the whole diamond at least twice and get a layout in my head of where everything is mm -hmm. and uh, the approximate distance between each camp just in case a storm comes up. And then I'll also check the weather reports. Great. Yeah. Um, each building, you know, along the, the outer legs of the diamond is about 20 yards apart. And 
when you check the weather reports, it's supposed to be fair skies for the next three or four weeks. Did you know, so, Dr. Gerber, that, um, that uh, Antarctica is one of the driest places on the planet? That is it's correct. Just not much uh, precipitation in the air. The moisture is all frozen. It's essentially a desert. Exactly. But we're up here alone, and I like to be prepared. Why is Well, if some horrible catastrophe happens, know that they will find us a million years from now frozen in the ice. Just it's how, how you freeze and with what expression you have on your face. That's true. I like it. <laughs> so after I check on the uh, geological survey equipment, that's available. Um, I go back to the uh, to the drilling rig. I'm fascinated by this. This is this is tremendous equipment. So I I try to familiarize myself uh, not just with the equipment but with the crew and mm -hmm. the people working on it. Uh, this is just amazing equipment here. Yeah. Do you have? Is there something you would like to roll for me just to kind of get a sense of the the equipment um to increase your familiarity with it sure i if i could use uh my my uh knowledge of science and uh, geology there's a lot of focus okay. on ex excavation and surveying that that sort of falls aligned there would that Absolutely. be okay yeah cool thanks go for it and uh oh i make it i make it it's just a regular pass though okay um yeah, I mean it's 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 fascinating, you know, uh, that that humans have come up with with something that can that can bore two kilometers into the ground. You know, this isn't really Earth that you're boring into. It's not what you usually study, but it's still um, one of the coolest things you've ever seen. And you you stand there and you watch them. You know, have to pause for a moment. Um, as one of the bores has kind of reached its terminus and the, the Derek hand sitting up there, the other roughnecks using a uh, kind of a winch and pulley system to lift the next bore up and over the Derek hand guiding it in and attaching it. And you notice um, one of the things you think really interesting is that one of the roughnecks actually kind of climbs down into the hole. He, he just kind of shuffles down, puts his feet and his back against opposing sides of the wall and holds himself there so that he can attach the the two ends of drill together and make sure that it's all set up correctly. And you you um, that I think is what brings home for you just how dangerous this enterprise is. Dear God, do be careful, man. Uh, I got this. I've been doing this for 20 years. This is definitely where, where geology crosses over into a glacier specialist. This is uh, Dr. Baker. Uh, is Dr. Baker around? Uh, he's not at the, the rig site, no. Okay, I must catch up with him uh, shortly. This is fascinating. 
And we, we still need to get Elliot's vignette, but before we do, I want Dr. Henderson, since Dr. Henderson said that he was kind of trying to keep away from everybody else, will you make me a spot hidden? Ooh, a 23 is a hard success. Awesome. Yeah, so in your um, quest to remain on your own, you wind up, you think, you know, what better place to be on my own than in a bedroom? Uh, which is effectively what the other half of the the longhouse is. And so you go in there, there, there are low lights so people can see where they're walking. And most folks bring, you know, bring eye masks and earplugs and, and all that. And there's Dr. Baker. And he's not sleeping, but he's sitting on one of the cots. He has a book in one hand. And with a hard success, you see that he also has tucked a little bottle into his, uh, kind of into his coat pocket. And his, his cheeks are pretty, pretty flushed as well. Dr. Baker, I see that you are a very, a very dedicated man to your work. Well, I'm, I'm reading up on the latest research. I see. I'm, what a, I'm, what, I'm uh, very, a, very thrilled, thrilled to be here. Now, what is he reading? Uh, he, he is probably reading, uh, you know, glaciology today, <laughs> um, some academic um, journal about glaciation. But he's not working either. So, um, I will just shrug and wander off. Yeah. Elliot, what do you do for the next, for the, for the rest of your first day? Pretty much a combination of Palmer and Gerber. Um, staying with the drill head for the first like four-hour shift just to get an idea of how competent the people there are. Uh, getting to know them, sharing anecdotes, seeing uh, how long they've been in the business between them. And mm -hmm. then hopefully, he says hopefully, confident that they're uh, sound people, uh, start doing the rounds to get an idea of the layout of the rest of the, the compound. See if there's anything I should be aware of, uh, generally getting an orientation to know whereabouts everything is and then probably as it gets later in the day uh, head back for imagine there's like a communal mess hall or uh, dinner where we'll all grab food yeah that's the that's the front half of the longhouse where the where the kitchen is and everything yep got it yeah grab dinner and then before wrapping up uh, head back to head back to read in bed for a while i've got a copy of um, Joseph Campbell's Who Goes, oh, not Joseph Campbell, um, Campbell's Who Goes There and Stephen King's The Shining, as I hear they're quite popular mm. at the uh, South Pole base to read. Quite. Um, what time do you go to bed? Uh, whenever the, kind of probably about two hours after the first shift change over at the drill, just again to be, be there to make sure everything goes right and that everything ticks over smoothly. And then mm -hmm. that gives me like a six hour rest period before I have to get up for the next one. Right. So um, just some of the, the things you notice, there's a mixture in the crew hands uh, and ranges of experience. Some of them, uh, like the one who spoke to uh, Mr. Palmer, has been doing this for 20 years. And some of them are quite fresh, um, who have been kind of, these have been kind of hand selected by Davidson to, um, to work with her and to be kind of cultivated by her. Davidson, you note, is one of the hardest working people you've ever met. She um, is awake for four hours every shift, or she's, she's at the drill site for four hours every shift. So she kind of sleeps in between um, working, but there is never a shift with people working on it that she does not touch and help in some way. That's um, kind of similar for me then, I think, yeah. 
Say that again. That's going to be similar from my, my angle. Right. So you said you go to sleep about two hours after the um, first shift change. And just to kind of keep the clock easy, the first shift change is at about eight o'clock. Um, so there's the turnover. You go to bed at about 10. And I think you, you probably check your watch. Um, it's nine and some change, 9.45, 9.50. And everybody make me, well, where is everybody else at just shy of 10 p.m.? The end of your first day. Probably getting ready for bed. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Same here. Getting ready for bed. Like wrapping up a card game with somebody off duty before bed. Do we have okay. some uh, shades on the windows to cut out the light? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there aren't any windows in the in the sleeping half. Okay. There's no windows. Period. Um. So everybody, make me listen rolls. <laughs> no, I'm never going to pass any of my rolls. Nope. I feel a hard success for me. If it's any diff if it extreme makes any difference, I can spend three points of luck to get it down that far. Oh, yeah, extreme wouldn't make a difference because you know exactly what you hear. You've oh. heard it before. Um, it is the sound of a drill hitting something it's not supposed to hit. Um, you hear a kind of a first a grinding and then a wong um, as, and you know, because you've probably seen it before in your career that uh, the bore shaft is waving because it has hit something it's not supposed to. I drop everything and heading for the heading for the drill site, yelling, "Kill it!" Yep, uh, sprinting out of the longhouse. Mm -hmm. Is anybody else following, or are uh, you? I, I will. Okay. Yeah, if I can hear the "kill it," I'll definitely perk up and drop out of the game or see. Mm -hmm. If I heard that and saw him run out, I'd probably be right on his tail. I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you do see everybody kind of sprint out of the longhouse, unless you've already passed out, which is fine. Falling asleep. Oh, where is everybody day. going? Oh, I guess I might find, find where everybody's going. Uh, Mr. Oh. Devil, and apparently it's something's wrong with the drill. Oh, great. Um, Elliot, you come charging into the rig. Rachel is not there. She's probably sleeping at the moment. And um, the roughnecks, one of the roughnecks is at the terminal trying to figure out how to kill it. And there is superheated water, which is blasting up out of the, um, uh, what do you call it, out of the borehole. Um, one of the, the roughnecks is kind of uh, he's dived to the ground and has kind of packed snow over his arms. Um, so you know that he is probably significantly injured. And as everybody else kind of comes in and sees this scene just before you manage to reach the terminal, Elliot, you all hear a kind of a crack and then a it almost sounds like a, a gunshot or a rifle shot. Um, and Elliot, you're nearest the hole. You're nearest the shaft, certainly. Why don't you roll me a dodge? Oh, boy. 
16. Uh, that nice. puts me under half. Great. Um, you, you hear this sound and you maybe even instinctually shout, you know, drop and something comes shooting up out of the borehole, um, kind of ricocheting around, bouncing off of the, the shaft, explodes up out of the hole and actually punches a hole through the, um, through the facade covering of the rig. And, and leaves a, a hole maybe, you know, three and a half feet across. Holy shit. Yeah, um, up and straight to the terminal, kill the power on everything. Uh, yep. The hot water pump first, the drill second, and then start tending to the, uh, the poor fellow who's down on the ground with his hand in the ice. Mm -hmm. Yep, so uh, you kill the power. Uh, you see that the, the bore shaft um, has kind of a hairline split straight down down the middle of it. Um, so that's one bore that you've lost, but you should have, have spares. Um, and we'll, we can see if somebody wants to roll a medicine for this, this neck here in a bit, but what is everybody get, else doing first? I, get a medic. Is everybody all right? I'm gonna go check to see what, what shot out. Mm -hmm. I, the guy's injured, but I just want to see what the heck. Sure. Uh, 23 on a first aid roll, success. Okay, um, so to, to give him first aid, he, has, um, he hasn't just, just covered his hands, but he has kind of packed ice all the way around his arms and is kind of hunched over like this in the snow. Um, you pick him up and as you dust some of the snow off of it, you see that his arms kind of from elbow to hand um, have just been blistered. All of his skin has been blistered. It's it might not be th third degree burns, but it's close. And um, to to really take care of him, you're gonna have to take him probably to the laboratory. That's probably where you keep most of the like severe first aid. And you'll you'll have burn cream there that you can apply to it. Something else I should have mentioned earlier, which Mr. Palmer probably noted, and which Devlin works with regularly, it's so hot in the rig itself because it's enclosed and you're using superheated water that most of the roughnecks are going around shirtless. Um, so they're wearing kind of, they're wearing overalls with straps over their shoulders, but they, it's warm enough that they've just taken their shirts off. Um, so when he was burned, it was because he wasn't wearing a, huh. he wasn't wearing any protective clothing. Uh, I'll, I'll help you, uh, Dr. Gerber, get him, uh, get him to uh, our infirmary or lab at least. Thank yep. you. Yeah, uh, how how far is it from where we are to indoors? Twenty yards, I believe. Twenty yards. Okay, yeah, so I'll take my jacket off and and kind of drape it over the guy to keep him warm. I can make it twenty yards. It's not. Uh, I I stop your hand there, so we, you might affect the wound. It'll just it's oh. only twenty yards. We'll get him right there. All right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm assuming if they're, they're dealing with superheated water, they would have those burn blankets. Yeah. Shell covered sure. burn blanket, mm -hmm. and then wrap his arms in them and tell him not to touch anything. And yep. then I'll inquire if there is actually a, a medical doctor on site. If not, I'll just continue doing what I, what I know how to do. I have a it's, 40 in first aid, so I'm not half bad at it. Um, I think you find Dr. Remo in the laboratory as well. And as she sees what you're doing, she says, I think you've just been christened the medic. God help us, but I'll I'll accept it. 
You mean this entire facility doesn't have a doctor, a, a medical doctor? We have lots of doctors. But a medical doctor. <laughs> um, so Greg was going to head outside. Yeah, um, I wanted to see what had mm -hmm. shot out. Yeah, it's fairly easy to find. Like um, Dr. Telemonius mentioned a little bit earlier, there's not actually that much snow on the ground because it doesn't snow that often. It's mostly ice with, with some snow that just never melts. And so it's fairly easy to find. It's a chunk of rock, a chunk of um, black rock, maybe probably basketball sized, but it's not a perfect sphere. It's, it's a regular, um, to your eye, it looks almost like onyx. You're, I don't think you're a geologist. No, you're a chemist. Um, to your eye, it just looks like onyx. Well, if I, if I see Mr. Palmer, walking out. I'll, I'll call him over. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mr. Palmer. And I, I, uh, I, I think Dr. Gerber could handle that man. You should come take a look at this. Dr. Gerber, do you, do you have a... Do you go, have, go, he, go. I got him. All right. He's able to kind of like walk on his own two legs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, if that's the case, then yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. I'll, I'll rush on over. Uh, um, uh, what do you think uh, of this? Greg, my God, is this metamorphic or does it look igneous? What? I, I kneel down near it. I mean, of course, I realize it's it's probably going to be hot, but uh, mm -hmm. I try to like give it a good once over or just. Yeah, um, you can make me a geology. It does at first glance. It does look igneous, um, kind of formed by by volcanic activity, but. Okay, uh, yeah, it's a regular pass. Cool. Uh, it's not onyx. Um, you're not entirely sure what it is. This is fascinating. Um, if I have like, um, I, I usually have like a little, a little, little uh, pick, very, sure. very small. Mm -hmm. I, I try to take like a little, try to knock off a little, you know, two inch by yep. two inch specimen to bring it back to the lab to start really checking it out. Doesn't work. Doesn't work, huh? Uh, unexpectedly, this is quite odd. All right, so um, do you have a way to tell how hot it is? The the snow around it is steaming a little bit, but it's not like boiling or anything. You think it would, and uh, you know, you can do the kind of door test, yeah, the back of your hand, and um, it's already starting to cool off just because of how cold it is around here. If you can't, let's let's bring this inside. Yeah, and is it big enough for the two of us to bring it in? Or is uh, or not big it enough, but it takes two of you, certainly. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right, certainly. It's yeah, extremely it. heavy. We'll, we'll bring it in for examination. This is fascinating. It's interesting material. Mr. Devlin, do you need any help? Do we have to patch that hole so that your workers can continue without freezing? Looking up, looking up the roof. Yeah, we're going to have to get someone up there to cover that up. I mean, heat rises, but if all the heat rises out here, it's going to get pretty damn cold. Uh, we, this is going to be a pretty big delay because we're going to need to bring up pretty much all the boards to make sure that there's no hairline fractures further down. And also, Do we have perhaps some kind of tarp or uh, something we can sure, yeah, seal it over. Yeah, you you definitely have a tarp. Um, if you want something more permanent than that, it might take a little more work. What do you think happened? It uh, 
hit something that it could not penetrate? Oh, pure, pure shit luck, basically. I mean, this, as far as I'm con uh, concerned, from what I've read, there should be just ice all the way down. We hit something hard. So it's something that shouldn't something that shouldn't have been there because it can't be rock because it can't there couldn't be a landmass over a lake. Well, this is a is this a, a glaciation? Perhaps it's a, what is the rock called the moray that gets pushed along with the the ice? I don't know. Yeah, well, something like that. Potentially, but it's like pure dumb luck we hit something. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna order or get our second in command to come up here and oversee the repairs, bringing up the balls, make sure checking them for cracks. But, well, if there's anything I can do to help. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Um, although, if you want if you want to lend a pair of hands getting up, they're getting that thing up on the roof sorted up, perhaps. Certainly wouldn't say no. Of course, of course. Always glad to help. Okay. I'll see if I can get a tarp from the, the other tin. You can start it on that work? Yeah. I'll bring, I'll organize them to bring the drill up the bow probably four or five foot just so that it's away from whatever it hit. So if right. it did accidentally start up, it's not going to immediately catch whatever's down there again. Right. Sure. Now, uh, I'm going to spend a good amount of time trying to patch this guy up, talking him down, you know, relaxing him. And when I'm done with him, uh, unless you have something to add with that, I want to make a, a physical note of all of our um, first aid supplies that we have. Sure. And then see if there is a smaller portable first aid kit. And although I was getting ready for bed, when I go back in, I'll put it into the, my backpack that I walk around with. So I have a first aid kit on me at all times. Great. Now that I know that there's not an actual MD here. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you can do that easily enough. There's probably a, a stuff sack. Um, I don't know if there's like a smaller... Um, med kit, but you can kind of build one um, right, just right. by taking a stuff sack and, and shoving stuff in it. Yep. Excellent. Dr. If you don't Palmer. mind getting out of the way, Dr. Gerber, this is pretty heavy. You're bringing it into the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. This is heavy, but... Um, about how heavy is this? Like, we're talking 50, 60, 70 pounds? Oh, uh... Maybe 80. 80. Oh, I see. 80, 85. Uh, that's, that's why it takes two of you. Yeah. Uh, Greg, uh, do, you think, do you think maybe you can get some acidity tests going oh, on this? I, I, yes. We've, we've got, if you don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. We, we, uh, we, have, we have the chemistry equipment here. Might as well figure out some of its properties. I'd love to try to break off a piece to do uh, pressure or fracture tests while you do chemical analysis and acidity tests. Um, is there a better, uh, is there a better like little chisel or, or uh, uh, like geological pick that I could use trying um, that? You, you find a few more picks. They're all kind of the, I assume you take pride in your work. They're all kind of the same quality as the one you carry around, but you can try again. Okay, I'd, I'd like to try again to try before, to find the best. Before you start scarring up the tissue, uh, the rock face too much, uh, Mr. Palmer, it might behoove you to see if this came from a larger structure before they start drilling again and this happens in the next hour. Oh, wasn't this? Oh, I thought that this was like ripped out from the drill and that the drill just cracked it up. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Oh, okay. 
yeah, if it doesn't look like it's like shattered off of something, then yeah, definitely let's proceed with caution. I mean, it it does have like I'll, I'll say this: it has fracture planes, right? So it was once part of something larger, but you don't see you see you see some scarring along the surface that would have been caused by the drill, but you don't know if the drill broke it off or if it was broken off earlier, carried by the glacier, and then spat out by the drill. Does the uh, does what we are assuming the uh, drill marks to be on it look like the drill drastically damaged it, or is it just like barely scratching the surface on it? Um, there, um, let's say in between. Right, it's like it has chipped the it has chipped the edges of these fracture planes on it, um, but it's 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 still really hard to to make a determination. All right, okay, agreed, Greg. Yeah, we'll we'll proceed just with the with what we can do with the whole piece first. Okay, so so what tests were you were you going to so do? So I uh, was trying to find things that it reacts with. Sure. Okay. Um, make me a. Uh, chemistry roll. 57 is a pass. Cool. Um, you all, you kind of, you take your jackets off um, because it's, you know, a heated room and you, you get to work. The acidity is neutral. Um, it's, um, and you don't find anything that it reacts with at first. As you as you keep working though, as you keep working, you notice that some of the the kind of testing strips you're using, even though they're not, and this this takes probably 45 minutes to an hour, right? Even though some of these testing strips you're using aren't reacting to the surface, they almost seem like they're leaving little tracks in the um, in the material. Fascinating. That's odd. Can we perform sort of a hardness test at all with uh, uh, like pressure equipment? Or do we have that? I'm, I'm hoping we might be a fully geologically uh, yeah. survey equipment. Sure. Why not? You should have a Mohs test. Mm. Um, hardness. Yeah. How does a Mohs test work? You, Basically, you, you try to scratch the substance. Oh, yeah, yeah. with harder, you and harder. Go for things. harder and harder substances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, as you as you kind of work work up, you start being able to make make scratches. It's kind of earlier than you expected. Like the pick should have been able to to break it if uh, if these hardness tests are coming back like this. Interesting. Interesting. So if if these other elements are kind of wearing away the surface. These smaller things wearing out way of the surface and your your picks aren't. I wonder if we just get something thin. I wonder if it cuts. Or if hmm. we can try to get a sample of this, a smaller sample by like a saw? Almost like, shaving it. Then, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we could try. Do, do we it have doesn't react it doesn't react to the force, but it yeah. reacts to Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there might it might be uh, 
Yeah, can we do that? Can we take like a spade and, and try scraping along the surface? We'll, mm -hmm. we'll do various uh, tests. I guess we could move on to like fracture tests or, uh, or separation sure. tests. Yeah. See if we can you ever you ever take a um, a stick of butter out of the fridge for for five or ten minutes and then kind of run a a spoon across it? That's kind of what happens oh. to this. Yeah. That's wow. This is. Oh. And as you're looking at it, you realize that where it's been sitting, um, you probably put it in like a, a a heavy metal tray or something on a on the counter. Mm -hmm. You see that the bottom has kind of spread out a little bit from where it's been sitting. Hmm. Well, this is strange. I want to, yeah, if we get a small piece, I want to take a look at this under the microscope. Yeah, this is, yeah. Here, How so do we bonded together? So, from some of that part that scraped off, is that available for uh, for Greg to pursue? Uh, and actually, Mr. Palmer, make me another science roll. Certainly. Now, this might be this thing's might just naturally be a liquid. I missed. I have an 80 and I missed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's yeah. all right that you missed because Dr. Henderson has the money of it. Um, yeah, this thing, it's, it's not a solid. Look, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. it was just frozen. It's, it seems just to be a liquid. It's melting. That's bizarre. It, the, is the temperature, what's the temperature of it now? I mean, has it drastically dropped temperature? Or? Well, the its temperature is rising. It's it's rising oh, oh, to yeah. meet the temperature of the room you're in. Yeah, so it's, oh. so it, it's reaching room, but even, it it's still. I mean, it was just buried in the ice. It's not room temperature now, unless if we check its temperature. Like, how fast is it picking up heat? Um, about like, what you would expect a a rock to. Okay, and I still haven't identified it as anything from my experience. Nope, absolutely not. All right, well, I want to get some of it. Like, so, so the part that's kind of melted at the bottom, how easy is that to, like, get into a beaker? Um, it's kind of, like, really thick yogurt. Okay, because I want to I wanna freeze some of it again. Okay, yeah. You can, you can kind of scrape it into a, a beaker and tuck it into the freezer. Yeah, it's um, almost it's like it's melting, sort of. So... This exploration is taking you about um, an hour or so. Um, we know that, that Antoine has been building his, his first aid kit. Um, I'd probably come back in by then. Right, so you come into the lab. Oh, it's cold out there. It's so cold. Dr. Ajax, take a look at this. Well, what do you have here? It's some kind of globule of a... Uh of a frozen liquid. It's very strange. It, this is the, the rock, but it's the, not the a rock. Drill, the drill seemed to hit this. It used to be more, you know, rock-like. It's kind of melting. Like almost a super hardened gel, maybe, at one point. I'm not certain. I wonder let's if there's any look. sort of... Let's take a look at it under the microscope. Taking a look at it um, under the microscope, it's well. Who's who's looking at it? I'll, I'll oh. look at it. Okay. We will both look at it. We'll take turns. Perfect. We have two microscopes. Oh, well, there we go. Two. We have multiple microscopes. Perfect. You've got two microscopes. I love it. Um, it's it's a 
it's a chemical. It's a chemical structure unlike anything you've ever seen. Um, it's made of kind of a, a lattice of hexagons that um, are bonded together somehow. You're, you're not sure how. Um, and this, I was going somewhere. Oh, I've never seen a structure like this before. Oh, it, um, especially to Dr. Ajax, it almost looks cellular. It's almost got a cellular structure, but I've never seen anything quite yeah. like this before. Can I make, can I make a biochemistry roll? Absolutely. Like yeah. a jellyfish. Or... Quickly leaving the realm of geology here. Well, I'm going to spend 14 luck to pass that. Great. <laughs> um, you are sitting quite close to the apparatus you would use to pass electrical current through water. Yeah, let's, yeah, we'll run some electric current through it. Okay. Um, are you looking through the microscope when you do this? Yes. Okay. Um, how large is the sample you've taken that you're looking at under the microscope? Uh, if you take like one of those. Drop. Well, right, a drop. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Um, you you just kind of touch the electrode to the to this drop of this black substance, and you see this this hexagon structure. Um, it kind of opens up. Suddenly, there are no more hexagons there. There's there's no more cellular structure, um, and you since you just spent a ton of luck you reach under to kind of move the the sample a little bit to see if you can find where these structures went and the the little piece of this black material just slides right off the the sample sheet and lands with kind of a hard thud on the the laboratory table it has re-solidified what the hell what happened, Greg? What was that? It had a very interesting reaction to electricity. The these strange organic-looking cell, like cell-like structures, almost uh, have disappeared, and it's re-hardened. Uh, some sort of crystalline structure we're seeing. Uh, very strange. Uh, get get doc, get a uh, get uh, Mr. Devlin in here. Yeah, and and uh, where's a uh, Dr. Gerber? He he's an Arctic uh, oceanologist, isn't he? he? Maybe he might have an idea. Yep, uh, I'm can... here. I was just putting together a uh, med kit in case we have any other accidents. I was just thinking too that we need to be careful. This thing has not been exposed to the surface for quite a while. It could have toxic qualities that we don't took, know about. Took the words right out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. I put on a, a paper face mask and rubber yeah. rubber gloves. Excellent. Uh, I'm, um, I'm going to go find Elliot. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's that's easy enough to do, but I want to to see how you convince him to to leave the site of this kind of major accident where he's um, uh, bringing up. I think bringing up fours is much easier and faster than than sending them down. So you've probably gotten maybe. A third of the way already, just in the past hour. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss, uh, Mr. Devlin. Yeah. Uh, the the object your drill has struck uh, is quite odd. Um, 
it's it's drastically it seems to uh well it seems to be more or less a liquid um that was frozen under there um and you you just you just hit it with a superheated drill um we don't know exactly what it is but just they would like you to be mindful as you're pulling up the the last four that struck it Mm-hmm. Um, just so we can take a look at whatever is left down there because it would just be a shame to start drilling again and just hit more another deposit of the stuff or I want or also just want to see what happened when it was hit with mm-hmm. such a high amount of heat and energy at once I mean it sent an 80 pound piece of it flying already that's so that's an incredible force to bring it up this this far it, it has something that heavy. Oh yeah, I, I should say that you've you were about two hundred meters down. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a amount of force needed to lift something that heavy. So whatever this was, it had a, a quite a remarkable reaction to your drill. Yeah, that's so uh, while you were if you want to come take a look at it while your crew is still lifting. Or is out, so you have an idea of what you're looking at when you finally get. We can finally get down there and take a look. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll pause before we, we pull the the drill head out itself, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, getting an idea of what this thing is that we hit would be a good idea. But that's, yeah, he shakes his head in kind of confusion. Yeah, it, it's, it, 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 you just have to just have to come take a look at it yourself. Okay, I'll make sure that the rest of the team here are happy to carry on, or at least capable mm-hmm. of carrying on without me. Hand over to the, I can't remember her name now, sorry, the second in command. Uh, Rachel. Rachel, that's it. Yep. Uh, yeah, sure she's she's there, capable. happy to help. I, I won't take long, I'll be back in about 10, 15 minutes probably, hopefully less. So, Mr. Devlin, you're, you're less of a scientist than these folks are. Um, make me a psychology role as you enter the laboratory. You know, I'm a better scientist than I am or, people. <laughs> or spot hidden, whichever is better. I'll give you slightly different info depending on so, what you choose. Yeah, I, um, I'll go with the, I'll go with the psychology just to see okay. if there is a chance I can roll it. Uh, you know what? I know I only got. It's I'll one burn shot, seven, so. seven points of luck and get it. So regular pass. Okay. You see Dr. Remo, uh, Kathy Remo. She's in the laboratory with everyone else. Um, she looks almost like a, um, like a deer caught in the headlights. Um, like she doesn't know what's going on. Makes two of us. Her confusion though is, um, it's not the, the scientific confusion. It's a confusion with what people are doing in the lab. It's like she's trying to, um, she's watching what Dr. Henderson is doing and she's like, isn't, isn't sure what procedures he's following. Okay. It's like a, it's like a, um, like a freshman biology student who's never dissected anything in their life has been asked to dissect a, a shark. Well, so I'll follow Henderson in to, to begin with, and it's, uh, he wanted me to have a look at this thing. So mm-hmm. deal with that first and then go over to her afterwards. Sure. 
So I, I wanted to show him like, if we take some of the piece that's hard, uh, uh, we'll put it on like on like a burner. Sure. So yeah. I want to see what because I mean they they hit it with the superheated drill. So mm -hmm. if we expose it to sudden heat, does it? You explode. give it a few minutes. <laughs> it doesn't explode, but give it a few minutes and it melts into um, a liquid with the consistency of water. And it'll start boiling if you just leave it on the heat. Is it still uh, like a real dark color or is it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's never changed. It's kind of pitch black. Um, we need a chemical. We have, if we have equipment to analyze gases, then I would happily put that up. Mm -hmm. It's not off gassing anything. It's not off gas. Whoa. How about a spectrometer? Ooh. See what elements serious. it's made of. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as missed, didn't as... anticipate that question. <laughs> can it can it be diluted with more water? Yes, it can. You can add water to it, and it can be diluted. The the spectrometer says that it is um, carbon and silicon based. Carbon and silicon. And Dr. Henderson brought Devil in here, but is now back to scientific test and has pretty much forgotten about him. So. <laughs> Well, I have um, my, I open up my laptop and hook it up to so, the microscope and I set up some of the tests I would normally run on checking uh, for life and water and element extraction and just run the whole series of tests I would have been running on core samples at this point. And then I have it on the laptop so we could all observe it. Mm -hmm. You find traces of, of just the strangest hodgepodge of, of elements. Um, I'm looking for life specifically. Any? Well, we don't see any kind of cellular structure. Right. That's what. We I'm don't see any kind of mitochondria or. Uh... Correct. Does any of this uh, composition that I'm seeing on Dr. Gerber's laptop does any of that ring a bell for uh, mineral or uh, uh, any sort of rock sampling in the slightest? Not in the slightest. Hmm. You say this thing was uh, solid when it was brought in, so it was pretty pretty heavy. And yeah, it seemed and, to melt. And at, at this point, Mr. Devlin, the thing you're looking at is just a kind of a metal tray full of a, a black kind of still vis really thick viscous, um, but it's a liquid. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, take it, I'll take a larger sample and electrify it. Um, what, how do you take the sample? Um, just get it, get a like a smaller tray and okay. scoop it out so there's a sizable. Mm -hmm. And now, a smaller tray. piece kind of just rehardened, so I kind of want to show. Sure. You like. you pass an electrical current through it, and it doesn't even look like it moves. Um, you don't you don't see a visual reaction, but you can turn it out on your hand, and it's perfectly solid. So electricity makes it solid. Mm -hmm. But heat will melt it. Yep, and we still we still have a solid sample of it in the freezer. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if we put it into a sample of water, and then run it through a filter. If we can tell more by the uh, by the filter test, you know, it'll come out in different substances. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite baffling. I've heard oh, of sure. uh, but memory fabrics that you pass current through them, they stiffen. 
So this isn't out of the realm of possibility, I guess, but it's still bloody weird. Well, and you said that when you hit it very hard, it, it had no effect whatsoever, and colloidals will... Uh, Probably while it was still solid. Solid, solidified. Well, and uh, Mr. Elliot, after a little bit of drilling, your team might have uh, dug up one of the most remarkable discoveries of mankind. I don't even... But yeah, as you there, there's definitely a sense in the laboratory, and I, I want to say, um, and Devlin, you might you might come in and go back to the rig and, and come back. I want to say that all these tests are taking time, right? As the scientific right. process does. Um, so you know, hours are passing here. I'm just trying to get kind of a montage effect, and we're seeing you conduct all these different tests, and um, you know solidifying it in a beaker and it perfectly takes the form of the beaker and you can fracture the beaker around it but it remains perfectly hard inside um hard enough that when mr palmer tries to hit it with a pick nothing happens um and there's a sense that descends over all of you in the laboratory and elliot when you come back in and are talking to people about what you've discovered that this material could change the face of the planet when it comes to construction, when it comes to new technologies, the way it conducts electricity, um, the way it hardens immediately on response, if you, could, if you could figure out how this works, then it would be a game changer. You could grow buildings. Exactly. Uh, I just thought of something. This could be a liquid. When they were size, doing the seismic tests, that whole lake could be this substance. If it, if the well, it depends. Is its viscosity enough that it would uh, appear as water? It does from a distance. Que question for the keeper. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Doctor Remo and Doctor Baker have they participated at all? Um, Doctor Battery test. Doctor Baker has come in and he's kind of trying to help, but it's a bit outside of his specialty, right? He's a he's a glaciologist. He's never seen anything like this. He could tell you, you know, he could talk for days about the, the rate of glacier movement and change, but he doesn't know anything about material sciences. Um, and no, Dr. Remo is, uh, remains aloof. And a number of you have probably noticed at this point that she, um, if you ask her to hand you a beaker, she said she kind of hesitates over picking exactly what to hand you. Dr. Remo, is there something wrong? Uh, I'm I'm just a little overwhelmed by by the possibilities of all this. Well, pull yourself together. We need another chemist over here to. We we are completely baffled by this uh, substance. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems to be organic and silica. When you tell her this, she she'll kind of come over and she stands behind Greg's shoulder and she says, "What what can I help you with?" Well, and my response is I'm basically going to just rattle off like these standard like lab tests that we've done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we'll just get started on insert, insert somebody, something a PhD in chemistry would know. Right. That I certainly do not. Um, she, she says right away, the, the test you, you mentioned should probably take 20 minutes. 
30 or 45 minutes later, you kind of wonder where it is and you look over your shoulder and she is, is, um, has kind of gone back to trying to look busy and not succeeding terribly well. I think in one of my trips in and out of the, um, in and out of the lab, I'll try and have a quiet word with her and just to sort of out of earshot, um, ask her gently, honestly, are you all right? Um, you rolled a success on psychology? Um, she's, she's really nervous. Um, she's not overwhelmed, um, but she's, she's nervous. Um, and she says, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm a, and she tries to laugh it off a bit. I'm, I'm forgetting everything I, I, I learned in, in graduate school. Are you sure? Because really it's, there's problem shared, problem halved. I'm, I, I assure you I'm fine, Mr. Devlin. Okay, well, as long as it remains that way, that's good. Oh, okay, so I'll back off. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want to run it through some light spectrum tests. I would have ultraviolet light to mm -hmm. work with water samples, so I'm going to try and run it through a whole spectrum of light, different lights. Yep, you don't, you don't see any particular reaction. Does it glow or a phosphorescent? Mm -hmm. no? no, I mean, you, you get a... Um, you get a little bit of surface reflection off of it just under normal lights, which is why it kind of looked like onyx um, at first glance. Um, you know, ki kind of like an oil sheen almost, but without the rainbow hue that you get in an oil sheen. Okay. Oh, uh, excuse me, Elliot. Um, do you know if your uh, drill rig has any cable cameras? It might behoove us to drop one down to see What's down at the bottom right now? That, that will be for the keeper to confirm whether we have or mm -hmm. not. You you definitely have enough rope to drop something down the shaft if you wanted to. Make me a luck roll to see if you actually have have that kind of a camera. Uh, we were certainly not anticipating anything like that. <laughs> 85 on 38, mm -hmm. no way. <laughs> so at, at this point, Elliot, the, the boars have come out um, you've probably pulled out one or two that have that have been cracked, but nothing you can't handle. You've got plenty of, of extra. Mm -hmm. um, and you you told them to kind of stop with the, the drill head a few feet still below the surface. Yeah, it's probably a couple of lengths. Uh, so a couple of ball lengths down. Okay, well, they, they're, they're there. They're at that point. Fair enough. Um, in which case, I'll gather or at least inform the rest that it's about to come up. So if you want to see what the, if there's any residuals or anything you want to pull off the drill head, now's your time to go get it. Oh, definitely. Yep. On okay. my way. They they raise up the the drill. You've got a few of your your hearts are beating a little bit faster just because you're not sure what's going to be there. And as it comes up, totally clean. You you think that the the superheated water has probably cleaned the the drill head right off that it any flex that would have been on this just melted and were left in the bottom of the shaft uh, on the plus side the drill's intact <laughs> the drill is intact yep yeah. well and this thing uh, this one of the, the properties this thing displays is a, uh, a resistance to hard to hard impacts uh, if there is any left down there if there's if there's a way to set the drill speed so that it 
very slowly without the water. That's going to slow us down a great deal in boring. Well, I mean, whatever is down there in that lake, uh, Dr. Ajax, uh, I don't know if it's going to beat the importance of this. Unless the lake is this material of some sort. I'm kind of surprised that the drill head's intact. This, the way I'm visualizing this, uh, uh, saying to the rest, is that if it had hit a hard substance, it's more likely that the drill bit, the teeth would have uh, been broken off. The fact that it hasn't, perhaps this thing was warmed up by the, by the superheated water, and it's the equivalent of uh, jamming your teeth into a very hard piece of toffee. That's what it's got stuck in. And then as it's being raised up, the rest of it's then melted off and dropped down the hole, hence why the drill bit is still intact. Would that, from looking around everyone else, would that kind of hypothesis work with what you've discovered about the, quanti uh, the qualities of this thing? Definitely a possibility. Uh, I mean, anything short of just uh, dousing it in superheated water from frozen to that much heat exposure at once, we really don't know how that would pave. Now, I'm not too familiar with this drill rig, but is there a way to put a touch extra superheated water down the hole? Sure, that would be easy. So you Maybe. might want to continue with the little extra water and continue the drilling. That way, if you hit it, it might be that little bit softer. And you, you did notice that it, that it will dilute in water. So if you, if you melt it and add more water to it, it will become a less viscous substance for you to drill through. Well, yeah, proceed with caution, of course. It might just be a fluke, but, uh, and you'll know, of course, if it's not a fluke, if we encounter more of the substance. But, uh, yeah, so just to kind of keep things rolling, let's, um, or spinning, perhaps, um, uh, that's exactly what you do. You apply more fluid to, more water to the mixture, and, um, and you can you can kind of gauge how long it takes you to get through this material, right? Because of of how many bores you add and such. You think there's about a three meter stretch, kind of a three meter band of this material, and then you hit glacier again. Then you hit ice. That's pretty big. It's quite big. You don't you don't know the diameter um, of it or any of those measurements, but the depth appears to be um, somewhere in the range of three meters. No, I'm not, I don't know my, I don't know real chemistry. So is this considered an organic substance because it's uh, carbon based? Not necessarily. I think okay. you argue about this. I think this is something the scientists can't agree on. I right, think Dr. Right, Telemonius wants to say it is organic when it, when it solidifies, um, um, when it starts to melt, it has this, this almost cellular structure, but then when it solidifies, it disappears. It has carbon in it, but it's also made of other materials. Have we seen any kind of indication that it's alive, that it's moved on its own or no. nothing like that? Of course, it could still be, it could be a dead thing. Hi, hi, hi. Um, so if you find it's natural, like where it wants to, um, at, at, our particular what, what, temperature. At, at what temperature is it like, cause it has a boiling point mm -hmm. and so it has a boiling point and a freezing point. How close is that to water? 
Um, fairly similar, actually. Okay. You see, I told you, I told you, sir, and that how, uh, you were going to have a mystery. How acidic is it? Oh, or base? Um, is it an acid or a base? Uh, it's neither. It's perfectly neutral. It's neutral. Do what concerns me the most is that there's no off-gassing. If you're boiling something, there must be some off-gassing of something. So what we'll, we'll, what we'll do there, uh, Dr. Gerber, is we're going to get the mass of, a, of what we have, mm -hmm. and then we're going to boil it and see if it reduces. length of time, and then we'll see right. yep. take the mass again. That's that is a an awesome experiment, um, and it's going to take you a little bit of time. So, um, this has gone on to the morning of the next day, right? right. Um, and I'm I'm going to assume, unless Mr. Devlin says otherwise, that the drill continues onward, continues its journey into the glacier. Now, with, with the proviso that the minute they start to see any vibration or that they think they hit something, stop. Right, exactly. Yeah, don't, just, don't just plow on and think you can go through it. Mm -hmm. no. Sure. Um, Gentlemen, perfect. we haven't had any sleep. We got up because of the drill. I need to get some sleep. Mm -hmm. Coffee, coffee. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I'm, I'm hitting the sack once I've given those orders. I'm... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, sleep is a week and I am weak. There's no point in the excitement destroying your health. I, I, this is beyond our health, Dr. Ajax. This is... When you drop and pass out because you haven't had any sleep, I will stand over you and laugh and laugh <laughs> because I will have had some sleep. Good night. I'll see you in the morning Good night. or Good the night. evening or whatever it is outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's always sunny in Antarctica. Yeah, I, I'd like to quickly check on the injured worker just to make sure he's okay and he's he's mm -hmm. bandaged. Yeah, he he. I mean, you'll change his his bandage periodically. You don't think it's a third degree burn? You think that that you and Dr. Gerber, mainly Dr. Gerber, got yeah. to him soon enough um, and administered administered to him. Um, he's probably going to scar, but he's not going to lose his skin. Um, so. Um, he's, he's obviously extremely grateful and uh, the shift that he was on is just kind of making do without him for the nonce. Um, I kind of want us to, let me double check something real here, real quick here. Um, I kind of want to pass the second day mostly with um, the experiments you all have been running, you catching catnaps when you can, as the drill gets deeper and deeper, and we get the occasional shot of, of um, you know, a new bit coming, uh, not a new bit, a new bore shaft coming on, um, the Derek hand up in the rafters. And Dr. Telemonius, Ajax, <laughs> it's the evening of the second day. Um, so it's, it's been about 24 hours since the drill hit this, um, what you've started calling the electromimetic material because it mimes whatever substance you put it in. Yeah. Um, it's been about 24 hours. You're sitting, you're having dinner, and you're talking with your good friend, John Mercy. And he has, he has warmed up to you quite a bit, um, and he's telling you about Lake Bostock. 
and the rumors he's heard from about what the Russians found in Lake Vostok from the from the um, he's worked in the southern hemisphere for a long time he's originally from Boston but he moved to to Patagonia and has been working on oil rigs and then scientific drill sites for 35 years and he knows lots of Russians and the rumors have been that they found something that the KGB has codenamed, and he says this in kind of a, a whisper, and occasionally someone will kind of walk through the room and he just stops talking, what they call Organism 46B. Organism 46B. You think that it maybe it is a similar substance to what we have found? They, they say it can change shape. They say it, it swims through the water and that it, that it ate three of their divers when they went when they went into Vostok. They actually tried to dive down into the underground lake. These, these are the rumors. I'm only telling you what I've heard. I think the Russians are crazy. They say it was a creature with 14 arms. 14 arms, but it could, it could put its arms along its body and make it look like another one of the divers down there. That's how it got so many. One diver thought it was swimming to another diver, and then its arms would open and swallow him whole. So some sort of a uh, mimic, like, uh, like the, uh, what they call the wonderpus, the, uh, the octopus that uh, pretends to be different organisms. Yes, yes. an octopus. Only a 14 He's had a few shots already. Let's see what 14 plus octopus uh, uh, that would be Tessa Decapus. There you go. Tessa Decapus. Perfect. Uh, let's see. I, 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 such a cryptic organism would be fascinating to find. Um, and uh, But you say it attacked them. That is. That, so it's a fairly large organism that, that you heard from this. That's, that is what they say. It must be at least man-sized, if not bigger. But you know, there are some very strange things in the ocean. Uh, there, uh, the and giant... The lakes. Yes, the, the giant squid. You know, that the largest giant squid that has ever been found was 50 feet long. And uh, the largest suckers on the, the animal were four inches across. But they have found sperm whales with sucker marks on their bodies 18 inches across, which would mean somewhat out there there's an octopus that is 300 feet long. Um, as you're saying, all this Mercy's eyes are just getting wider and wider. And he, yeah. he picks up his glass, shoots it. On that note, my friend, I think it is time for me to go to bed. You go to bed. You have a good night's sleep. Don't worry about giant octopuses. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Henderson and Dr. Gerber, you have been running this boiling mass differential mm -hmm. test. And you've run it three times, I think, because the results you're getting are not possible. Um, as Gerber noted, it's not off-gassing anything. It has to off-gas something if it's boiling. 
Its mass has not reduced at all. You've boiled the same sample three times for a longer and longer duration each time. And the only thing you can conclude is that this material is releasing heat. And it looks like a boil when it's releasing heat, but it's not actually releasing gas. This is a method of it eliminating extra heat. What kind of and liquid does that? And its weight is remaining constant. It, down to the um, milligram. Maybe we're not heating it up enough. I mean, we could, let's try heat from a frozen sample to boil. Let's try room temperature to boil. You know, and we'll run the right, whole. Take a frozen yep. sample right in the boiling water. You run the whole gamut. Glasses. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to make sure it didn't explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but no change. I mean, this is theoretically impossible. It is. We're, we're and I set up a GoPro, and I, now I'm going to record everything because Great. this is. Um, Perfect. The, if only we could simulate it getting struck by a superheated drill bit going very fast. Gentlemen. I got so much energy from that, but. Do we have a. Uh, uh, a Mr. AJ. Dr. AJ. I don't mean to interrupt. You are conducting many different tests. So, the latest rumor is that the Russians have discovered some sort of organism uh, that is some sort of underwater monster that has multiple legs, uh, like 14 legs, uh, that it swims through the water, that it has mimetic properties, and that the KGB is keeping it under tight uh, scrutiny. I didn't know the KGB still existed. Um, Neither the, did John Mercy, apparently. The, yes, uh, Mr. Mercy has worked on multiple oil, uh, multiple rigs, and uh, uh, he's talking about the Volstock. Um, I think it's all a bunch of interesting nonsense, but he was accidentally describing some of the substance, the, the, the properties of this uh, substance. Question, question for the keeper. Can I make a Cthulhu Mythos check? Sure. That's got a little bit. Um, nope. Right, yeah. Well, I explained to Ajax how it's physically impossible impo for the results that we got to be. And then I'll tell Ajax if I was the Soviet government and I found an undiscovered element, I would send out ghost stories to scare away teams like us from coming to drill to take That's away their glory until they figure out what it is. Wouldn't you concur, Mr. Palmer, Dr. Palmer? I, I agree. That sounds sounds it, like typical. It sounds very conspiratorial. We have to understand that most of their scientists are just like our scientists. They're, they're just scientists. Um, we don't know what that the Russian base uh, is made up of. Is it is it just scientists or are there other agencies of Russia at work with them? There are, all, even when we are here, there are always other agencies at work. You know, the government is well aware of everything that we are mm -hmm. doing here. 
So let me let me clarify a few things real quick. The the rumor that Mercy was spreading was about the piercing of of Lake Vostok. Correct. I I think was in two thousand. It was it was a few years ago. Right. Um, Another deep lake. Right. Rachel comes back sometime in the middle of the second day. There is another team on the lake you all are on. Um, There is a Russian team. Um, They're about fifteen miles kind of northwest of you um, on the other end of the lake. Did they give um, us any way to communicate with them? No, they, she, she couldn't, the channels that she was um, winding were kind of bureaucratic. Um, right. Politics get in the way yes. of, exactly. politics always get in the way of scientific discovery. What type of terrain is this? I mean, the weather is about as good as it's ever going to be here. Mm-hmm. Can we traverse 15 miles? I... You, you, don't, you don't need to roll that you probably could. It would take you most of the day, but it would probably be really unwise, especially if they turned you out on your ear. Yeah. Darn, also, no, no tractors. You could get completely lost. What, yeah. what temperatures are we talking? Like negative sixty, negative eighty degrees? No, no, it's it's not nearly that cold because it's the it's the oh, summer, summer here. Summer. Yeah, so it's it's hovering. You know, um, it's below freezing um, most of the time, but it's kind of just below freezing and just hanging out there. Actually, it might be a little bit warmer than freezing because it's modern day. Um, <laughs> uh, it's getting warmer all the time, but. Well, I see. Continue to analyze it. Uh, yep, until we get more samples from that lake. Uh, we have plenty to occupy ourselves with. But uh, but look at it as if it were part of some sort of organism. I do. We have a chamber. Oh, well, I wouldn't have been breathing under the ice. I'm saying maybe we could vacuum seal it and run the same temperatures in the vacuum atmosphere. Yeah, you get the the same results. A vacuum doesn't seem to to affect anything. Doctor Ajax, the the thing that we found to be pretty odd is when we boil the substance, um, there is no uh, off gassing. There's no off gassing. What if it's just reacting to the heat? Well, that's what we what that's what we figure, and more along your theory, that's like I don't know of any rock that would. And you talk liquid that behave that way. Not a such we have, and I don't know of any organism that will behave that way either. We have come up against so many bizarre uh, walls. Uh, you know, what is the famous uh, Sherlock Holmes thing that uh, if it's if you eliminate the possibilities, then the whatever is most improbable, even though it's Unlikely. I don't know how to Look, paraphrase. I, we haven't than... ruled. We we just barely scratched the surface. I, what if it would be so bold of us to claim that we've ruled out everything except that of it being? Organism. What if there is an organism, but this is something that it produces to protect itself, like a slime on a snail, or or a substance that reacts to the environment. If something tries to hit it, it becomes hard. If something tries to burn it, it it becomes, uh, it tries to get away. It 
it's some sort of the, the day the day we find an organism like that all more aligned with your theory but we're we're just making guesses we need to start forming a high a hypothesis and so we take but you haven't look, come look, up look with anything but your your animal theory what compare it to all the evolutionary evidence we have on this planet nothing has produced anything like this what organism is capable of producing something like this. Where does it get all these materials from? I, I, I respect that you're a chemist, but you must understand that in the animal world, there are some remarkable things. You know that the, um, that the mantis shrimp can move its claws in the water so fast that it literally tears the oxygen and the hydrogen apart and creates a small explosion uh, like, a, like a, a, a little supernova going off that will kill its prey in front of it. It's, it's astonishing what nature can do. Well, Dr. Ajax, once we find sufficient proof that perhaps your field of study is more relevant than mine, with this object, we will call you in. But until is, it starts behaving like an animal, or we can get definite that it's organic and falls along your marine biology, we'll leave it to chemistry for now. This is so academia in a nutshell. <laughs> Um, Even the insults. <laughs> uh, so just to kind of, um, because we, we are getting a little short on time, um, let's push ahead a little bit. Um, it's the next day, day three, should be about halfway through your drilling. You lost a little bit of time, um, but maybe you think hopefully only four or five hours lifting it up and then going back down again and slowly going through the three meters of substance. So hopefully not too much time that you've lost. On day three, Mr. Devlin, you are in the the rig site, mm -hmm. um, and um, earlier that morning, Dr. Remo had come in to kind of check in on things, say hi. She left and got breakfast, and she's come back. She she brought you maybe a, a burrito or something that she made in the kitchen, something simple. Um, lunch. Oh, definitely. I want to turn down food. <laughs> and then she, she just stands there uh, looking at the drill. But standing, um, you've maybe noticed that she hasn't stepped. Like, you've got a, a little atrium where the doorway is and then the, the larger mm -hmm. shaft itself. And she hasn't stepped all the way into the, the shaft yet. Okay. Probably wise keeping a watch from a distance. And mm -hmm. yeah, One of the things I would be paying close attention to, uh, depending on how much of an enclosed system it is, um, is the water as it's sucked back out of the uh, uh, drill head just to see whether that's uh, showing any signs of contamination of any, of any type. Yeah, you haven't seen anything like that. No, no that's good. Um, does anyone go wander over to the rig on day three? Oh, sure. I'm, I'm again, I'm fascinated by that thing. So okay. I always try to shoot the shoots uh, with, the, with the team, be friendly and kind of check it out in between Great. The lab. So just the two of you? Yes. Great. Um, so a new a new bore shaft has just been been put in. And and Derek, maybe you're you're you know kind of passing passing the time, chatting with Elliot and with uh, Kathy. And you've you've fallen into a little bit of a routine just because things have been have been going well. Um, John Mercy is the Derek hand who's up on the, the ladder at the moment. 
he's just slotted on the new shaft. The drill has spun up again and is has progressed down a few feet when Elliot, I'm not going to make you roll for this. You hear something that you've never heard before in all your years of drilling. And that's just silence. You, you still hear the motor running, but even, even as deep as, as the, the shaft is, um, you should still be able to hear a grinding even from this far away as it echoes up the, the shaft. Um, you have two or three seconds. What do you do? Uh, kill the switch. Something okay. is probably hit a void. Yep, you hit the switch, and uh, the drill stops, and you see John Mercy looking down the shaft. He's just looking straight down, and he says, what the hell, as gallons and gallons, maybe a <laughs> half ton of superheated water blow ah. back through the through the shaft um it yeah. lifts him off of the um kind of the the station that he was sitting on lifts him into the air and drops him onto the ground elliot and derek you both need to make me dodge rolls oh god oh boy oh, oh no i how this oh really bad really, oh really great i'm out of that yeah <laughs> Elliot dives for cover. Oh, sorry. Um, it wasn't going to be too bad, but I did roll five. No. <laughs> I can't believe I rolled a hundred again. I these this these this dice set has to go away. This dice set's giving me like five hundreds in the last. Okay, that's great. Um, so is that a major wound for you? For Derek, or for me? Uh, for Derek. Oh, that's my dodge. Yeah, you failed your dodge. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you take five damage. Oh, five damage, okay, one second. Yep. Okay, oh yeah, that's a major wound for me. That's 50%. Okay. All right. And I think you need to roll a con roll. Yeah. For a major wound. Oh, that's nasty. Okay, here we go. Con, sixty. Come on. And it's a sixteen. Yeah, made it past. Cool. Um, you scream as it knocks you backwards, and ah! luckily you hadn't taken your coat off, despite how warm warm the rig was. So you are probably going to have blisters all over your face and your hands. Um, but once once people tend to you and put some of the burn cream on you, you'll probably be okay. Um, John Mercy is laying on his back, um, kind of next to the shaft, just kind of shaking and spasming. And Kathy Remo has backed up a few feet. Her eyes are a little wide um, and is just watching the whole thing. Uh, unless it hasn't kicked off, uh... So kill the water oh, supply as well. Yeah, the uh, the engine has stopped, and um, in all the chaos, as uh, Derek kind of crashed to the ground, you dove for cover. You hear John Mercy hit the ground, and then you hear the rattling as the drill and all the borers connected to it just 
tumble down the bore shaft. They have, as you guessed, hit a void and fallen who knows how far. Well, there goes that drill. Yeah, um, in which case, there's if the water hasn't already stopped, just in case somehow it got forced back up the first time, mm -hmm. make sure that's dead and then rush over to the poor guy on the floor. And you can, I'm not going to make y'all, y'all roll for this, um, but you can, you can take care of, of Derek. Um, John Mercy has broken his back. He is covered in third degree burns. Um, and um, I think you, you come up to him and you maybe take his charred hand in yours as he dies. Oh, shit. Find something to cover him up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's probably a scrap of tarp that you used to, to patch the hole in the rig, and you pull it over him. Right. Uh, turn to uh, Reemo in the she still stood by the doorway. Mm -hmm. yeah. Get help! Get everyone! She she turns and and goes and grabs everyone and uh, very quickly tells you what happened and um, I assume you follow her back to the rig. Grab yep. the med kit and yep. all, all ass. Yep. Um, and you can, and Antoine, you can take care of, of Derek. I'm not going to make a roll for that, just to save time. Uh, I, uh, 23. Oh, yeah. Um, Thank you. Oh. I, I forget what that is. Is that a D3? Oh, uh, yeah, 1D3. Yeah, very cool. Uh, two points. Okay. Okay. Yay! Right. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just, just stay, stay. Mm -hmm. Don't touch it. You don't want to get infected. I go for sake of time. I just. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the it's pretty obvious to everyone what's happened. There is no bore connected to the the main engine up top anymore. They have tumbled down the shaft. So is there a way to sound? The, you could, the, the borehole to see how deep it is. You could drop a rope down it, sure, and then kind of tie off the ends and keep going and, and then measure it that way. Yep. Also count, count how many bores are lost. Right, yeah, you then... could, that's actually the faster way. You, you've gone about a kilometer, right? You were halfway. Mm. So oh, I halfway hit the void, but I want to know how deep that was. Oh, how deep the void goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can you can take that sounding. Um, you get um, about a kilometer and a bit. You you know you have to run the math a little bit. There's maybe an extra fifty yards unaccounted for. Devlin, um, do drill bits normally just eject themselves? Wouldn't it? Were they? Did they hit something and break off? Why did they release? No, this shouldn't happen, as far as I'm aware. That if anything, there would be a certain degree of tension between the rest of the, bo uh, the bores above it and the edge of the hole they uh, they carving out. So, well, it sounds stupid, but the only thing I can think of that would uh, do this is if something pulled it at the other end. That's what I was thinking too, but I knew you're the expert. That's why I wanted to ask. But hold it. Nothing. I mean, it, we're in the Arctic. There's nothing under the ice that can pull a uh, ten-ton drill bit out of the or whatever the weight is. 
Precisely. Well, let me, um, just, just so we're all visualizing the same thing, and maybe I'm completely wrong in the way um, drills work um, in, in this kind of environment. The, the drill head, the drill bit itself is fairly wide, and then the bores are narrower, Pipes. and that's where the superheated water gets pulled out. So once the, the head clears a hole, then you know the, the shafts can just tumble. Um, and then kind of collapse the whole way down. Well, if there was anything that was securing the balls at the top to ensure that it didn't drop, then maybe it did meet some force below. Uh, again, just hypothesizing mm -hmm. option. Well, is there a way for you to go check to see if that was the case, Mr. Devlin? <laughs> well, short of climbing down there, and I'm pretty sure we haven't got a mile of rope. And certainly... Um, it's only a kilometer. You've got enough rope. Oh, boy. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, volunteers. Hey, I'm injured. I'm not going. <laughs> no, I, I think can't, that, we, can't we send a probe down or something? I think we tried the, uh, the luck roll earlier to see if we had something. Ah, like that. okay. Well, we may not have a camera, but does the geologist have some kind of seismic uh, sensors that he can get like an echo effect off of? Uh, mm, it's just if we if we don't don't you have a team of roughnecks, Mr. Devlin? And they're adept yeah. at, at going down these these things. Okay. Normally this deep and <laughs> in this condition, it's normally they're making sure that the drill itself is running, not not to explore the terrain. How? What is the chance of the uh, the drill bore the hole collapsing from the pressure and the? Oh, none. They have that cylinder, right? Drops each time. You're uh, thinking a caisson, yeah. Yeah, caisson. There you go. Yeah, I, I don't. You don't. You don't have a caisson, but the the oh. um the glacier is hard enough that there's there's no chance that it would collapse on you. I mean, well, it's, perhaps, it's it's sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Let's hmm? say. Well, maybe uh, if Doctor Ajax would like to go down, maybe he can find this animal of his. Two hundred meters down, you're going to find it. At least the frozen one, anyway. I, I don't think that I want to talk to uh, Doctor Henderson anymore. We have a, a great difficulties in living and de dealing with one another. I think it's probably because we're stuck here for so long. I whisper to Ajax, "Hey, if you find it, you get to name it." I'm not climbing down into a hole. Don't be ridiculous. And if by any chance the ridiculous story is, is anywhere near close, you don't want to be Oh, dangling. please, Dr. Palmer. Mr. Palmer, please do, spare us that. Do, do we have a, uh, a safety harness and enough rope and some lights? I'll grab my GoPro and send me down. Sure. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Um, so just Dr. Gerber? My light on. Nobody else wants to go down? Hell no. <laughs> Is there room for a second person to go down? Well, not side by side, but you can, um, I'm, I'm a rock climber. There are fairly simple knots that you can use to, to tie off to a second harness. I'll help in the sense that if they need a winch or some kind of sure. mechanic, uh, yeah, winch. Um, mm -hmm. set up that, that can get them down there relatively safely and at a nice pace, but also pull them the hell out of there if anything goes wrong. 
Sure. Yeah. You you're you're a mechanical engineer. You can put something together like that. Hey, nice. I was just gonna say, just to the GM, I have a 55 in climbing, so. Great, perfect. Oh, I'm a great climber. If I wasn't injured, I'd go with you. <laughs> I don't think that you're going to be climbing. I think you're going to be dangling. Yeah. Are you a good dangler? <laughs> Mr. Palmer, I mean, if, if Dr. Gerber here says that you're okay to go down with him, then nobody here can really dispute that fact if you're feeling up to it. Do we have another geologist? No. Nope. Hmm. The geologist right. would be perfect because he could. Oh yeah. This is make sure the ground's not collapsing. Or... Yeah, I don't I mean, want to. Derek, your your hands are are burned, and you have a few blisters. But this, look at the material you just discovered. Yeah, this is an opportunity of a lifetime, and and that story does sound far fetched. It's good for nightmares, but that's about it. I'll, I'll join you. Okay. Excellent. Thinking about the logistics of them going down, uh, can I eye up the size of them versus the hole and yep. the area that the uh, the ball would have taken up as well? If this thing's only dropped about 50 feet, there's still one kilometer minus 50 feet worth of core that could be still stuck in the shaft or best case scenario, it's collapsing on itself. Would they be able to get past it? Um, yeah, they would. If you remember us describing the... Um, I've actually been thinking this is a fairly narrow shaft, like the bore shaft is fairly narrow, and then the superheated water is what does all the extra melting around it. Um, so if you remember that scene where the, the roughneck was kind of guiding a, a shaft down while he was braced against the, the two sides, yeah, they'd be able to just kind of squeeze past it. Got it. Fine. They don't need any, um, any tools going down there to disconnect the balls and then uh, drop them down and go down. So that's fine. Yeah. I, I will take an ice if we have a pick, sure. ice pick, to just in case I, something happens that I need to study myself. Mm -hmm. I'll attach that to my, uh, my belt. Okay. Uh, I have I... rudimentary ge geological survey equipment. Very, very basic. Yep. And could, a I, could I make a, a light suggestion and say that it is a little past two hours? Would you all like a five-minute bathroom break? That'd be good for my end. Are we All ready right. to get going? We are back. All right. Um, so uh, I forgot before we took our little break that everybody who saw John Mercy die should make a sanity roll. That's right. Okay. I didn't see it, but I'll do it anyway because, yep, you know, because he's like your friend. Him. 83, that's a fail. Okay. 90 is a definite failure for me. Yeah. I passed. Um, so one if you passed, because he was your friend, and then if you failed, take three. Take three. Right. I was going to say, I'll take a point, because I've been dealing with all the burns, and I yeah. probably looked at the dead body just to make sure he was Valid. dead. And um, I will take zero, because that's <laughs> Dr. Henderson rolls. Screw <laughs> those guys. So let's jump over to Derek and Antoine. You descend the shaft. You've got probably glow sticks and flashlights. I'm also going to say you're taking walkie-talkies just because it would not be wise for you to do otherwise. Um, you descend the shaft and um, you don't come across any bore pieces, any bore shaft pieces. And it takes a long time, right? This is a, a kilometer. And about 200 kilometers down, 
you pass through a thick, dark band of material. To your eye, it, and I'm just going to narrate some of this, to your eye, it looks like it has dispersed somewhat through the ice. Um, and Derek, you probably look really closely at it, and you almost see these little, like, blue arcs across it as like, you're like, passing. Like moving or, or, or just embedded streaks? Uh, like moving. Or... Little blue arcs. But it's, it's really hard to tell in yeah. this dim light. And then you've moved past it. I'll radio in, though, so they know the depth that we're at to mark it. Yeah, yep. with 200 meters, not 200 kilometers. Yeah, 200 meters down. 200 meters, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you keep going, and you keep descending. Uh, it is beautiful. You're surrounded by this blue ice. Um, it's cold, too, of course. And eventually... You come down. Uh, Antoine, I think you're lower down, probably, since Derek has a few injuries. You see a void opening up below you, just an empty chamber. And I assume that you let yourself lower into it. Um, you shine your flashlight around, and the structure you find yourself in is huge. It's about 50 yards top to bottom, and it's much, much longer in one direction. It's maybe 200 yards long and then 50 yards wide. The whole thing is shaped kind of like an American football, like, a, um, like two cones squeezed side to side. And its walls are metal. Its walls are metallic. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, yeah, you have to do it on the ceiling as you pass it because pretty soon you're just being lowered down. You're not coming down in the center by any means. Um, you're coming down kind of off on one of the edges. Why don't you both make me spot hiddens? Oh, uh, hard success. Great. With a hard, I'll give you two things as you're kind of looking around. One is that you notice rocks on the floor below you. Um, not just rocks, but there's snow. There's quite a bit of snow on the ground. Wow. And the rocks are, they're large and they're cubular. Um, some of them are stacked vertically, almost like columns that were placed there intentionally. I'm, I'm trying to point this out to, mm -hmm. to uh, yeah. Antoine will see it as soon as you point it out. Yeah. Um, the, the farther down you go, the bigger they become. And then you see what looks like an arch and you realize that a couple of these might be walls. And with a hard, you know, you're flashing your, your light around, you're trying to get a, a picture of how big this is. And about the center of this chamber is a big cone, is the only way you could describe it. A cone with a white end at the bottom, and it's just hanging in the center of this room. Now, <clears throat> this is definitely a man-made structure, or it's not, a natural formation, correct? It's definitely not a natural formation. Okay, just wanted you to make know sure. that at a glance. And uh, both radio. of you should make me sanity rolls. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Because you've all seen the movie Aliens. <laughs> I found that sound roll. Um, forty-six. How much? Uh, four. Ooh. 
And if you pass, take one. One, I got it. Yep, because this is beyond yeah. earthly comprehension. Palmer, I mean, are you seeing this? This is, no, no. This is astounding. This is, I've never, I would have never guessed. I get on the walk, yeah. Guys, you, you, we have structures down here. We have definite man-made or man-made structures. I mean, we have metal walls. We have cubes, solid cubes. We have Arches. archways. Architecture. Very, very funny, Dr. Gerber. Oh, and I, I chime in. I'll, if I hear that, I'll, I'll get on my headset and know what he's saying is is accurate this is amazing the find of a lifetime of the century perhaps so you think it's aliens i wouldn't go that far but it's well what else could it be it's not a, you're, a, you're a geologist it's not a geological it's not structure. it could have been sunken well, I, under I under a kilometer of ice it's got to be how old we've seen this movie this is the giant spaceship filled with evil monsters that that is buried in the ice after it crashed to Earth a million years ago. Uh, uh, this is insane. I'm I'm joking, of course, but oh, you're not. This this might exactly be that. Humanity hasn't touched us, or at least the humanity we know. I, I I would. I mean, you have to see this. Be extremely careful. Do, do we have any sort of camera, anything have, like that? that yeah, you would have brought a camera. I have yeah. my, I said I grabbed my GoPro, so I was sure. recording the whole descent. Does anyone want to join them or no? I don't know. I don't do want to. No. To I, don't want to I don't want a chest burster or a it's face hugger. It's the Gerber Palmer discovery or the Palmer Gerber discovery. Oh, yeah, well, you went first, Gerber Palmer. <laughs> That sounds a little off, but anyway. <laughs> um, Devlin, what were you saying? Uh, to, to Ajax and Gregory, uh, if that's a sealed environment down there and they're breathing the atmosphere, we don't know what kind of shit's down there. Should we kind of initiate some kind of quarantine for this? Yeah, we should get them out. In fact, we're uh, breathing okay. it too because it's coming up the shaft. They seem to be, if they start... To have any indication of panic will pull them out first thing, but they seem to be fine. Yeah. Speaking of which, Kerber Palmer, what are you doing? Are we uh, on the ground now? Yeah, you've reached the ground. You've reached the floor. Um, and there's there's snowpack here. Quite a bit of snowpack. This is amazing, Gerber. My God. Let's let's disengage from the safety harness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, huh. we'll we'll stay together. We do not split up. Sure. How does so you snowpack? untie yourselves from the rope? And yeah. I'm relaying everything yep, that we see to the How, What do you mean there's snow? From snow. where? It's uh, it's thick. It's maybe it's maybe like mid shin deep. And it's all over or just underneath the borehole? It's all over. It fills the room, fills the chamber. There must be uh, another exit out of here. The snow drift must have come in. And let me let me emphasize how incredibly dark it is in here. It's just the only light are your flashlights. Yep. That's it, yeah. And they don't shine that far. Right. Yeah. Maybe get 10 yards. Of this. So do you begin exploring? 
uh, I yeah, we should at least check a, a little bit around. I mean, okay. do don't play with any giant egg things. Oh, if trust me, I'm not. Imagine we find eggs. You don't find any eggs, but um, make me listen rolls, both of you. Uh, seven, oh, sorry. 17 out of 4 out of 40 it's uh, hard you hear something shuffling around i hear movement there's movement, movement. what what do you i look over to uh... it's it's getting closer we have movement we have movement pull them up pull them up <laughs> you start pulling know, it up. It's know, far too light. Not, yeah, but they're, and they're not even attached to the harnesses anymore. So. Exactly. Um, so, do you stand there? Do you try and hide? I want to back up towards the uh, okay. to reattach my harness if I need to. Yeah, I'll slowly follow Gerber. I don't go slow. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> then I'll, I'll just stay with you. I'm not going to split up. Um, a creature rounds the corner. Um, it looks unlike anything you've ever seen. It's um, tall. It's got wings. It has these six appendages around a kind of star-shaped head. Um, and it says, I can't speak Russian, but it says a word in Russian. Um, and you need to make me a sanity roll for seeing this unearthly creature. Make it. I failed it. No. Um, a failure will take oh, four. And did you succeed, Derek? I made it, yeah. All right. Uh, let me double check. <clears throat> uh, you don't lose any for oh. a success. Um, it says a word in Russian. If neither of you speak Russian, you don't understand what it says. I don't speak Russian. Do you but say it, anything? I, I say hello in English and Latin. It, um, it has these arms. And when you say hello, it kind of stops for a second. And it reaches down. And you see it has this metal box affixed to its chest. And it kind of hits a few buttons. And then it says, hello. I'm depressing the, uh, the walkie button. Uh, you all hear a, 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 a Russian-accented voice say, hello. It sound, it, it, you can't notice this over the walkie-talkie, but to Derek and to Gerber, it sounds really kind of tinny, and you realize it's coming from this little box on its chest. Um, hello. You're talking to someone. What are you? I, I'm a human. I am Dimitri. Where are you from, Dimitri? I am from Earth. Where are you from? Earth. You're not like anything I've ever seen. With your... And I describe it a little mm -hmm. bit, like if... Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, this is what we always looked like. This is what we used to look like. We have been gone a very long time. I was left. Now but I'm glad you were here. Me too. How long have you been here? I do not know. <laughs> Dr. Antoine, what are you seeing? I just um, describe it, it. 
it, yeah, you, you describe it and as you do, it shuffles forward really quickly um, towards Doctor. Dr. Palmer. Doctor, I, I, it's, a, I, it's a mimic. I shuffle back towards the tether. No, no, please, please come. All, all I want is to see the sunlight again. Is the sun still there? Yes. The sun has not died yet. We thought it would die in, a, in 15 billion years. Has it been 15 billion years? I, when, I hope you're hearing this. When, when, I think that it is mimicking. It, it might be a predator trying to eat you. There's something pricking in the back of my head. Yeah, make me a Cthulhu Mythos roll. It's kind of familiar yeah. a little bit. Sir, I'm going to spend the... Uh, Actually, anybody with Cthulhu Mythos can make a roll. I want to spend eight points to pass. Yeah, great. <clears throat> yeah, I can't spend that many points. Yeah. I, I roll a 13 and I have a five Cthulhu Mythos. Perfect. Nice. Um, you recognize from this description the Elder Things. This... this uh, I read this book uh, back in my college days. Uh, they kept it in the library, uh, locked, all locked up. Very, very strange, but it talked about these things called elder things. And supposedly they once had cities that covered the earth. Yeah, yeah, the, the vast civilization uh, before they had some, but Although something else wiped them out. Dr. Henderson has lost his pricking mind. Uh, he doesn't think my octopus is real, but he now believes no, in no, some... No, 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 Please, please, all I want to do is see the sun again, but we do not have much time. Why? Well, the bomb. Uh, what bomb? So, this one. And it kind of gestures around and, and twirls. So let's get out of here. Oh, that would not help. Please, you must come. And it, it shuffles away towards the center of the chamber. I, I I can't say no to this, and I start walking behind it. Garber, Garber, wait! Uh, I look uh, to the tether into. I toss you my GoPro. Ah, uh, God! Okay, wait. No, uh, no, no! Take it with you. No, I I follow. I follow Gerber. <laughs> okay. I thought you were gonna. In case I didn't come back, I wanted evidence. I'm it's doing too, well, It's streaming. Um, Mr. Devlin, you, you don't know what the hell they're talking about. This is all very strange. Yeah, they're losing their minds. But what you care about is the drill and the mm -hmm. shaft. And you notice that there seems to be the faintest wisp of steam rising from the center of the shaft. That's heat building down there, or something down uh, there. Well, I, I don't want to end up like uh, that poor... Or roughneck, so. Uh, I'm also, uh, yeah, I'm conscious I heard a word beginning with B that I really don't like the sound of. Uh, is our helicopter back yet? Oh, no. It was going um, to pick you up after you, you were done. Okay, I'm going to be going back to my room and getting a whole load of shit together to do an, a cross-Arctic uh, sprint if I need to. Okay. I'm Arct Arctic survival, and I think I'm going to put it to good use. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, you start getting ready. Uh, Dr. Ajax, are you doing anything? I'm standing over the hole trying to... Just sticking tell... your face right over it. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm telling Antoine, I say, don't, don't let it lure you into its web and then eat you. 
If I'm um, reading this right, there's a bomb about to go off. So if I can do anything to stop it, I will. Dr. Henderson, test, it, are you... test it to see if it's actually intelligent or if it's just mimicking like a parrot. It's a cuddlefish. Oh, I, I left. Oh, what are, are you basically doing what Devlin is doing? The two of yep. you are going to try and survive together? Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Um, so you follow the thing. Um, it leads you to the center of the chamber. It's getting warmer all the time. In fact, you're probably stripping off your coats at this point because you're starting to sweat. And the snow around your feet is melting. And the snow is kind of running in rivulets towards the center. And you realize you're on a very kind of gentle downslope, very gentle. When you get to the center of the chamber, the cone that's hanging down over the very center, there's a, a metal grating that you walk over. It's maybe 10 feet across. And you look down and you just see void. It's like there's another shaft below you. And there's a terminal in front of you that the, the creature goes over to. And it says, um, with your help, I believe I can stop the bomb. And then I can see sunlight again, yes? That, that sounds like a plan. Let's go. Excellent. All you have to do is, and then a huge freight train collides right on top of Dimitri. It is black. It is running, coursing with electricity. It has these bubbles that have grown out from it. Um, uh, Derek, you have Cthulhu Mythos, yeah? Some of it. The, do either of you, Antoine? No. Okay, no. sorry, I thought one of you did. Um, that's all right. Um, go ahead and make me sanity rolls. <laughs> this is one you might want to pass. Oh. I actually passed this one finally. All right. And now, and now I fail. 67 out of uh, 56. If you succeeded, you lose six. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> if you failed, you'd lose eight. Oh, eight. Oh, God. Eight down. Great. I love it. Um, <laughs> the perfect time, too. Um, so we've got... Um, I'm going to metagame this a little bit just to tell you what the stakes are. You're about to go insane and we'll deal with that in a second. You have four rounds to disarm the bomb, um, and it's going to take you eight successes with this console to disarm it. Um, a success with Cthulhu Mythos counts as two. Um, I'm going to give y'all each four points in Cthulhu Mythos, just for encountering the, the Elder thing and the Shagoth, let's say it. It's a variant of a Shagoth, but it's a Shagoth nonetheless. So success with Cthulhu Mythos counts as two successes. A success with anything else you can sell me on, like mechanical engineering, for instance, Mr. Devlin, or if you were there, um, or anything else. So with like human skills counts as one success. But let's deal with your insanity first. Um, as opposed to rolling for it, what what happens? What do you do? How do you lose it? Uh, I just scream and I... Uh, Hysteria. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you 
get the hell out of here, guys. Get the fuck out of here. And then I dropped the walkie. And you hear him screaming. Um, I'm going to try electrical repair. Okay, go for it. Um, 24 out of 35. Okay. Um, how are you, how is your, your insanity letting you try for this? Like what are you, cause you, you lost eight, right? Oh, me? Oh no. yeah, I lost, I lost eight. I'm breaking down. I <laughs> Yeah, Gerber, Gerber lost six. So what, um, other than dropping the walkie, what's, what's running through your mind right now? Me? Yeah. Oh, um, that, if this is an alien and this is a bomb and it's going to blow up the world, I'm the only chance of saving the world right now. And I'm just <laughs> pressing buttons. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about saving my wife and daughter. Right. I like it. Um, Mr. Palmer, this thing is rearing up above you. What do you do? Do I have any type of control at all? Um, I, I, <laughs> let's let's give you some control. You're losing it, but you're losing it in the face of something which is about to kill you. So <laughs> maybe your your animal brain takes over. <laughs> wow, I'm like, oh, I I have to see. Am I more scientifically curious, or am I? I don't. Oh no! Oh, I'm scientifically curious. I'm just staring into it like what? The? Okay. I love it. I'm not going to roll damage or an attack or anything. This thing collapses on top of you. <laughs> um, if it's all right with you, do you not want to worry about rolling to succeed? Oh, that's fine. Okay. Mr. Gerber. Okay. Because um, I don't think it's... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> um, that's what the the creature spits out. Um, if you had all gone down, I think you just might have had a chance to succeed. While this creature is uh, digesting Mr. Palmer um, into skin and bones, you feel heat rising at your back, Mr. Gerber, Doctor Gerber. Um, and then you hear a loud roar and um, you see this kind of metal organic console in front of you just kind of blast away, liquefies, and you feel your t-shirt ignite and then you vaporize. <laughs> in the... In the film of this, what we would see is the this cone, which looks kind of like a rocket engine cone, blasting fire into this um, chute beneath it. And the 10,000 foot deep lake below it vaporizes. And it sends a pillar of superheated steam blasting up through the shaft where Dr. Telemonius is looking over it. Um, who effectively no longer exists. Um, it kills anyone who is in the rig, along with Dr. Remo, who had her secrets. Um, and Mr. Devlin and Dr. Henderson, you said you have Arctic survival, Mr. Devlin. Let's, oh, yes. 
Make me a hard roll for that. I'm glad I kept a lot of luck spare. Come <laughs> on, dice like me. 21 is under my 25 as my hard, because I have 50 Arctic survival. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Henderson, what are you going to try and sell me on that you might survive with? Sticking very close to Dr. Devlin. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Chemistry. I'm looking at answer. your sheet. Let's see. We could just call it a luck roll. We could call it a hard luck roll if you want. Okay, cool. Yep. A 10. Nice. All right. Yes. All right. So. In the movie of this, we see uh, Mr. Devlin and Dr. Henderson um, kind of a high shot looking down over the camp as they are sprinting away. Um, the heat from this bomb effectively ignites the water in this, in this lake. And then it keeps going to the mantle of the earth and it cracks Antarctica open. And a supervolcano, the likes of which hasn't opened in 100 million years since the most recent major asteroid strike, opens on Antarctica. And humanity faces an extinction level event. Wow. So the end. The wow. end. <laughs> oh, boy. That was awesome. <laughs> Great, so, great. give us a bit of an explanation. Yeah. So, so this whole scenario is, and I'm going to be a little fast. Um, this whole scenario is based off of a paragraph in At the Mountains of Madness. During the Jurassic Age, the old ones met fresh adversity in the form of a new invasion from outer space, this time by half fungus, half crustacean creatures from a planet identifiable as the remote and recently discovered Pluto, creatures undoubtedly the same as those figuring in certain whispered hill legends of the north and remembered in the Himalayas as the Maigo or Abominable Snowmen. So the Maigo develop a weapon to counter the Shagath, which is their own version of the Shagath, which is this electromimetic material. And they... They can't breach the bomb, which is this kind of doomsday last ditch effort of the elder things, which they leave behind them, right? Because they don't care anymore. And they leave it with one person, person to attend it, who's the billion year old Dimitri who picks up uh, radio signals essentially and builds his little voice box so that he can talk to people when eventually he's found. Um, unfortunately, you dug through the, the little trap that the Maigo in their ancient war with the Elder Things left, um, which, once it heats up, drips down the shaft and um, goes about killing everything it can. And then if you had had a little bit more time, um, and if you'd, right, so if you apply electrical current to the Shagath, it will freeze in its position for a round, which gives you time to try and do some more work. Ugh. So if you're all down there and capable of working together, there is a small chance that you could prevent the end of the world. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Them all down the hole. <laughs> I only had a taser. I, uh, I mean, yeah. Um, this, is what, this is what the uh, 
oh, the Roughnecks are for. They're supposed to do the shit like this. I'm supposed exactly. to oversee them. Well, I was thinking, like, if you'd sent the Roughnecks down, we were just going to transition to them, and y'all y'all could have played as them down there in the hall. Um, cool. But yeah, thanks for yes. thanks for playing. Sorry we had to kind of, like, rush it there at the end a little bit. That's okay. all right. It was great, though. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead and uh, finish it up. Our real, players real included... Quick. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to give you one more secret. This Kathy oh. Remo was a CIA agent. They knew, which is why she didn't know anything about chemistry. Uh, um, they knew that there was a hole in the ice, and they wanted to know what it was. I thought uh, she was a cultist. Mm. Yeah. Uh, essentially, cultist and intelligence association. Cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our players included Stuart Lively, Morgan Llewellyn, Jason Melichok, and myself with Noah Lloyd as the Keeper of the Secrets. And I didn't mention uh, <laughs> Matthew Sanderson. Uh, he was also here, obviously. Uh, we're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering the questions you might have. This is Tom Riley together with all the members of our gaming club inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.